Oh my god, dude. So this is the weirdness of podcasting. Number one, it's the weirdness of the erratic schedule of the talk show where I just published a show with Moltz yesterday. But I got to get another October show in, and and there's so much more to talk about. That's it's not just you know the month; it's actually a lot of topics. But uh, when Moltz and I talked, I think uh, the Nats' backs were getting against the wall. Now it's tied three to three. We're talking just hours before Game Seven of the World Series between. Your beloved Nationals and the uh, uh, Houston Astros. Who who might be the best team in baseball, uh, Yankees aside. Uh, yeah, uh, you, know. you know, Astros had the best record and the Astros beat the Yankees. So, you know, fair is fair. So I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but my I was just in Houston for the entire time that the uh, Nationals were playing in, in D.C. No, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, my whole family's in, in Texas. So I was I watched all the games, but I didn't get to go to any of them. And they went to the games when they were in Houston. So they'll they'll probably be there tonight. You don't sound like you're from Texas. I'm not. My You know, it's a it's a broad family all over the country like that my we, you know we come from immigrants and they settled in different places like that yeah my cousin rob uh he's a couple years older than me grew up in uh northern new jersey you know sort of the greater suburban new york area uh and i think when he was around 21 22 or so moved to dallas and uh lived there for quite a while and very quickly pick, picked up a texas accent <laughs> That's kind of funny. I, I I grew. I was born in in the Bronx, if you can believe it. And See, I, lived, I I can hear that a little bit. Interesting, interesting. I, I get bit. so much. Uh, people, you know, say I don't hear an accent from you, but then I'll say dog. Yeah, or, oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you sound like Susan Waldman, Co- the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees radio announcer. Uh, everybody, uh, I'm sure people who are listening to the show are familiar with your work. I link to. Probably at least once a week, but if you're not Dave, is uh, do you even have a title or no? You're just you're just Dave. Uh, probably executive editor of the yeah. Loop, if if that's a thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I used to work at Barebone Software twenty years ago, it was a long time ago. If you think about it, uh, when I first got there, Rich Siegel, the founder, you know, makers of BB Edit, uh, he had business cards. Uh, and Jim Korea, who's now he's moved on. He's at the uh, he's at the Omni Group now. Good friend of mine, now developer, software developer. Uh, I think Jim now works mostly on Omni Focus, very popular app. Uh, but anyway, when I was at Barebones, um, Jim's business cards said Jim Korea, guy who does all the work, <laughs> and <laughs> and Rich Riches said Rich Siegel, guy who takes all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> or gets oh, all the credit. Brilliant. Yeah, that's so brilliant. maybe you and Jim need cards like that as well. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going. I got to I got to work on that. Yeah. Anyway, good luck tonight. So anyway, by the time that's what I'm saying about the the the, the offsetting of podcasting is this show won't come out till tomorrow. So by tomorrow, <laughs> the whole world will know who won the World Series. Probably. I'll either be I'll either be very drunk or very sad. Well, I mean, wait, what? Uh, uh, oh, I guess very drunk or very drunk. Yeah. Maybe that's the way to to put yeah. it. Yeah, it's just different types of drunks. Right, right, uh, right. Uh, anyway, I don't want to say, you know, famously you can't open these tech podcasts with lots and lots of baseball talk. But there was, man, right. last night's game was a wackadoo. So number one, here, some math nerdery. I thought about this. Uh, this is something that has nothing to do with baseball in particular, but has to do with statistical anomalies. So the World Series 
for those of you who aren't baseball fans, is a best of seven series. Uh, whichever team has the better record from the regular season gets home field advantage. First two games are played at their ballpark. Next three games are played at the other team's ballpark. And then the final two games, if necessary, if one of the two teams hasn't already won four games, are played at the home field advantage team's ballpark. This year, every single game to this point, first six games, was won by the road team, the away team, which has, A, never happened in the World Series. It has never happened in a baseball, Major League Baseball seven-game series. And it's also, did you notice, never happened in the other two major sports in the U.S. that have playoff series. Football doesn't count because you play one game and done. But in the NHL and in the NBA, there has never been a seven-game series in the postseason, the playoffs, whatever you want to call it, where the home team won or the away team won the first six games. So I knew about you know the home team thing happening right now, but I never knew that this was a new thing. That's that's kind of amazing. Uh, it's really crazy. So I tried to you know I like to do the math. So I, I I was too lazy to figure out what the home like what is the home field advantage in baseball. It's not as great as in other sports. Uh, and I you try to if you try to search for it on the web. You'd search for like World Series home field advantage history or statistics, and all I could get are explanations for how they determine home field advantage. You know, and that they used to give right, it to right. the team that won the uh, All Star game, which was stupid. That was the dumbest thing in the history of. Hated that. It was so stupid, and you know, it was all because that one game ended in a tie. Yeah, in uh, 2002, the All-Star game ended in a tie because it was tied after nine innings and they didn't, you know, it's only an All-Star game, so an exhibition game, they don't want to bust any pitcher's arms. And so they just said, okay, you know, let's shake hands, it's a tie. And some people were bothered by that and they were like, well, let's make the stakes mean something. Whoever wins the World Series, that that league gets home field advantage in the World Series, which was terribly unfair. Before that, you remember when we were kids, the way they did it was just every other year. It was like, I forget which one was which, but like odd years, the national team, National League team hosted uh, even years, the American League team. And so it was just like if your team got to the World Series, it was like a coin flip whether you were going to get home field advantage, which again, seems a little weird. And I, I got to say this, this setup is, is good. It's fair. It's, you know, I I like, I like it, but especially it's the first experience that my team has had, right? In the World Series. We've never been here before. We've always done poorly in the postseason. And now we're just one game away from magic. Yeah. And it's weird watching on TV as a fan. Now I have no, no real bones in this. You know, my, my beloved Yankees aren't in my second favorite team. The Phillies aren't in, uh, I can't say I really hate, you know, it's not like the Red Sox are in and I would just root strongly against them. Although the Astros are sort of like that. There's a lot, not a lot not to like about the Astros. A lot of, a lot of teams think they cheat, uh, that they, they got like, you know, electronic gizmos throughout the ballpark trying to steal pitches and signals and stuff. Uh, you know, there's like the, the clean old fashioned, what you see with your eyes way of stealing signals, which everybody knows is part of the game and, you know, using cheating devices is not i don't know if they do it or not but they, they kind of have that reputation then they got the whole uh, uh domestic abuse uh scandal heading into the world series left a bad taste in everybody's mouth so easy to root against the astros and like i told Moltz the other day i just naturally whoever beats the yankees i root against them 
just out of spite. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And and they the Astros definitely handled that situation about as badly as you can handle a PR situation. Really terribly. I don't know what they yeah. were thinking, really. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but basically uh, a, an executive for the Astros uh, made some uh, uh, weird statements after they won their American League championship. They have they have a pitcher who who was in a domestic abuse uh, situation and had you know was suspended for seventy five games. Played for another team. They traded to get him on the cheap because he was sort of damaged goods because he you know had beaten up his his girlfriend or something you know whatever it was he did. Um, signed him. He came in. He pitched in the game that they were talking about. This is against the Yankees. Gave up a home run that tied the game. And then uh, the Astros won it anyway. But this pitcher, you know, kind of stuck up the joint. <laughs> he blew a save with a home run. And meanwhile, this guy's in the locker room saying, I'm so glad we got him. I'm so glad we got Asuna. And he's shouting it right at these women baseball reporters, one of whom was wearing the purple bracelet that that symbolizes, you know, support for domestic abuse um, survivors and victims. Uh, and he's shouting it right in their face, which, you know, really clearly was sort of like, he's trying to stick it to them that they signed a guy with a questionable past but anyway couldn't that, couldn't have been a worse look for someone right so one of the reporters wrote the story up for uh, uh jennifer Epstein, i believe her name is i know her last name's Epstein. i think she's jennifer but she writes for sports illustrated uh wrote it up uh, so far it's already a stinky problem you know it's this is not good and what the astros should have done at this point is said hey this guy you know uh we're gonna sus- we the astros are gonna suspend this guy you know we're gonna look into this you know he's suspended for 12 weeks while major league baseball looks into it maybe he could have salvaged his baseball career but instead what the houston astros did is denied it they said this sports illustrated story is you know not true and we can't believe they published it <laughs> and then like the the part that it's like you have to think like what did they think was going to happen is like at least half a dozen other reporters from various publications who were in the room said uh I saw it happen and what what what's in the sports illustrated story is exactly what happened including the Houston Chronicle reporter the right. local person <laughs> right was right there and said uh actually this uh report uh, is exactly on the record. So anyway, they had to fire the guy. I mean, rightly so. Uh, but a, a real, just a real stinky story to head into the World Series. So boo on the Astros. Uh, go Nats. Anyway, last, right. night, last night we had a funny thing. Uh, I don't, again, not a lot of baseball talk, but uh, you and I were chatting about this earlier. There was a play in the seventh inning where a guy, uh, Trey Turner, leadoff man, speedy guy for the Nationals, hit a weird little little dribbler, very hard play. He's running down to first base, right on the baseline, and the catcher picks it up, throws it to first, and it hits, it, hits him in the butt. But his foot was already on the bag. He was already safe. And then a ball rolls away, and people run around. And so it looked like the Nationals were going to have uh, men on second and third with, with one nobody out. out. Nobody, nobody out. out. Nobody, nobody out. Nobody out. Nobody out. Which is a really in a, in a what was it tied at the time? Yeah, or were those three two? I th- they were think up they three were two. Up, th- they, they were, were up three, three two. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, the home plate umpire says that uh, he ran into the baseline. It interfered with the ability to make the play, and he's out. And the, and the, and <laughs> the guy from third has to go all the way back to first. Even if he was out, he's you know I understand that's how the rules written, and, and if he's going to call the rule, but it was a very strange play. Everybody agrees it was bad. I can't see. I haven't seen one person say you know what. 
actually it was the right call. I haven't even seen usually there's always the actually guy, right? Yeah. No, I haven't seen one person defend the call. This it's actually maybe the least controversial controversial play I've ever seen. Even yeah, that, that terrible pass interference call in the NFC playoff game last year, I saw at least a few people say, you know, it was kind of close in real time. That was the, the thing I saw, was that in real time, it was kind of close, and you can't go by the slow motion, even though that's what the instant replay rule is for. That was the only other thing I could compare it to. I didn't see anybody have any defense for this at all. I don't see, I don't see what Trey Turner could have done differently other than agree to be out, you know, if he, he, was, he made as straight a line for first base as he could make. Right. All he was trying to do to me, the spirit of the rule is clearly that the runner is supposed to only make an honest attempt to get to the base and therefore not make any dishonest motions, you know, with his arms or his the path he takes to try to interfere with their ability to throw the ball to the ahead of him. All he was trying to do. And it's very clear. I, I, all these other major league players around the league tweeted about it and said, hey, this is this, this is a terrible rule, terrible call. But the weird part about it then was the uh, uh, the instant replay. So they did challenge it, and they went to instant replay, and they had a commercial break. It was incredibly long. And baseball fans with the, the – so they, there's an instant replay rule for those of you who don't watch, and it's only a couple years old, but basically teams can challenge a call and, you know, not every call, but most calls. Uh, the umpire or the managers of the team, which is what most sports call the coach, makes a little signal. They go to a booth, a, an umpire, an MLB headquarters in New York, watches the play over and over again, slow motion, tells the umpires in the get in the ballpark, here's what it should be scored, and then they come out and it's over. And it takes usually it takes ninety seconds to two minutes. Fans already gripe about that, right? This is like a common gripe that that the two minutes it takes for a replay takes too long. This that it needs to be sped up. The baseball games already take too long. Speed it up. This one took like five six minutes, and then it turns out that they were saying that it wasn't even a reviewable play. Like the rules for which plays can be reviewed or not don't include the runner's interference, which is crazy. Just the whole thing was crazy, right? So my theory, I don't know if you saw my tweets late. It was very late at night, but my, I have a theory as to what happened and why the replay took so long. My theory, and I, th I, I really think it, it's what happened. I don't think it's a crazy theory. My theory is that in, it, given that it's not reviewable, it should have been a very short review. They should say, hey, they challenged this. And then the guy in New York would say, you know what? This, that's not a reviewable play. So it doesn't matter. I don't even have to look at the replay. I don't have to, to look at it. We can't review it. Then they'd take the headsets off and say it's, you know, the call stands, it's not reviewable. Instead, I think what happened is that in, they looked at it in New York and realized how awful the call was and how big the situation was and that they desperately were trying to figure out a way that they could overturn it. That's what I think it was all about. I think yeah, that you, the, could, you could be right about that. I mean, I, it's, it's I, possible. I think that it was so egregious, so clearly against the spirit of the play, and so it just made the umpires look so bad. That they were trying to get the guy get do the both do the right thing and get the ump who made the call off the hook, right? Because if they'd overturned it, everybody would you know would you know you'd forget about it. People wouldn't be talking about it still. Um, so so basically, if the if that was the run, can you imagine if the World Series ended with? You know, they came back, right. Astros came back, scored a couple of runs, and then that, that was the reason oh, that terrible. the World Series ended. Right. Oof. 
Well, it's a lot like that pass interference call on the Saints last year, but except it's you know that was at one level before the the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, and they never, and it did end their yeah. their season. So I at the I have to take my word for this. I mean, I could send screenshots, but you you know screenshots can be forged. But at that moment, I texted my friend Paul Kafasis, who's you know, friend of the show, previous guest, co-host with my wife of the uh, Just the Tip podcast, which is I guess still in hiatus. Uh, good friend. I texted him and we both agreed. Terrible call. Oh my God. And I said, uh, the baseball gods should give the, uh, nationals a home run after that. And what, what actually happened is two batters later, Anthony Rendon hit, hit a two run home run. Unbelievable. You can't make this up. And, and you gotta, you gotta think in his mind, he was probably steaming about this, but oh, yeah. he is such a such a cool customer. He he may be, in my mind, one of the best batters in baseball in yeah. terms of, you know, just knowing the strike zone and yeah. having great vision and all that. And so he, you know, I, I think he just said, "I'm hitting a home run," yeah. <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> now the backstory for me personally, which is what I was texting you about, but I think it's a funny story, is I still needed to write up my day one review of right, the AirPods right. Pro. And I had like ha- half written, half notes, um, but it was already like 1030 at night. I didn't want to, I-, I couldn't watch the rest of the game. You know, three innings of baseball could take a long time. I wanted to do it while I was, you know, hot. Uh, and at, you know, I'm really bad at estimating how long it takes me to finish something like that. Like for all I knew, I'd be up till three in the morning. So I paused the game on my TiVo and immediately or maybe even before i paused it i turned on do not disturb on my phone so that i would no longer get text messages or alerts from you know the mlb app or i don't i you know i didn't want to spoil the game what i wanted to do pause the game finish my review then go upstairs and uh unpause the game and watch the rest while still in do not disturb and pretend as though i was watching it live and I successfully pulled it off. I, it took me another at least two hours, I think, an hour to I forget. Yeah, it was after midnight when I published it, and I had to sort of backdate it to get the the date to be yesterday. You know, no no small accomplishment because to be able to pause a game like that of with this kind of importance and get no clue no spoilers no one ruined it for you that's incredible. <laughs> I I was still getting iMessage alerts like. Uh, 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 Ben Thompson texted me a couple of things and I just averted my eyes from the notification. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, it didn't matter to me. Like I kind of vaguely saw that it was Ben's uh, avatar from iMessage and I knew who it was, but I didn't read it. And I had my text, uh, uh, you know, the alerts come in on the right side on a Mac. My text was on the left and I just wouldn't look over. I've got that kind of discipline. <laughs> But I successfully pulled it off. I, I waited two hours. I believe the game was over. I can't be sure because I, I couldn't check. I don't know what time the game ended. But I think the game was actually entirely over. Uh, I had no idea what happened. I'd left three to two right after that controversial call. And my prediction that the baseball gods would reward them with a home run. I unpause it. I crack open a beer. And two batters later, I was like, holy shit, I was right. I was like, I need to tell people. And I'm like, oh, no, it's too late. They're in bed. And, and, and no one will believe you. <laughs> yeah, no one will believe me. I was like, I should have tweeted it. I couldn't. I was so mad that I didn't tweet it because that would have had a, a timestamp, right? You Famously, because you can't edit tweets, it actually would have. But I swear I texted it. Anyway, I good, believe you. Good I luck. believe you. <laughs> good luck tonight, Dave. I really, I really am rooting for him. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I, the math. So here's what I did. I estimated. 
to best way I estimated the home field advantage in the playoffs. I figure the home team maybe a sixty percent chance, uh, the away team forty percent. Maybe that's a little high. Maybe baseball is more like fifty five forty five. But what I did, I, I, what the the one stat I could find was that since two thousand one, uh, the team with home field advantage has won. 32 series that's not just the world series obviously since 2001 uh just mlb postseason and the team without home field advantage has won 22 so that's 22 out of 54 series from the division to the lcs to the world series that's about 40 percent something like yeah that. and that was my ballpark estimate so i thought i'll go with that so what are the odds that something with a 40 percent chance would happen six times in a row six straight games so it's 40 point 0.4 raised to the sixth power, and it's uh, like 0. 0.0049 something. So rounding rounding off about, you know, since we're just making up the advantage, it's about one half of 1% chance for any World Series to go like this. So something you would expect to see about once every 200 years. Well, let's hope, right? <laughs> well, the other weird thing, I mean, and I swear to you, I, I, I hope this is, you know, I, well, if you don't like sports, you know, come on. I listen to video game talk on other podcasts, and I don't like video games. So, you know, buck up. Um, <laughs> the other weird thing for me as a I don't have a skin in this game fan, but I just like baseball, and I find playoff baseball to be terribly exciting to watch no matter who's in it is how weird it is. It's very palpable as a fan on TV that the away team has won every game because every single game has ended with the feel of like a funeral. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because and, and there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, the things that almost get them back into it are incredibly more powerful. Yeah. And a, and a couple of these games have gotten away at the very end. Like so, last night's game was terribly, as, as we just you know asserted in the seventh inning out of nine innings, terribly close. You know, by the the, the Nationals were ahead by the skin of their teeth, um, but they hit a two run homer, then they hit another homer, and it ended up they had what a five run lead by the ninth inning. So the the Houston ballpark really had that funeral sense of dread of uh, I was really you know this is bad you know. It's six straight games of that sort of, you know, you don't hear that raucous a, a deliria of uh, of a crowd seeing their home team, you know, win a World Series game. And and this is this is sort of a uh, not, maybe people won't really get this who are not baseball fans, but this is sort of the normally in baseball in the postseason in any kind of series you line up your pitchers right, so the best pitcher yeah. pitches against the best pitcher. Because our best pitcher was hurt, we're now in a slot where our third best pitcher is supposed to pitch tonight. Right. But magically, through some miracle of something, <laughs> drugs, something, uh, our best pitcher, Max Scherzer, is now and, – and he's a great pitcher. He's yeah. not just our best pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's going to pitch tonight, and they're on their third best pitcher. He was supposed to pitch on two days ago, three days ago, and woke yeah. up woke up with like a neck cramp that was so bad that he couldn't even get himself dressed. And, right. But it's worked as – you know what I mean? You get older, you sleep wrong. I, I some, You know, I, I, I kind of – like it sounds a little weird because you just don't see that with pro athletes, but you know, like a neck cramp or a pinched nerve or something, you know, could could be like that. Anyway, terrible. Did yeah. you see that? You had to have seen. It. I know you're watching the the guy who uh, 
he's a Nationals fan, and a couple of games ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Bud guy. Yeah. So there's this guy in the stands with, he's sitting in the first row out in left field above the home run fence. So a home run hit in his direction, you know, he'd be right there in prime location to maybe catch the ball. Lo and behold, a home run is heading right at him. But he can't catch it because he's holding <laughs> two cans of beer, one in a each two, hand. A two-fisted drinker. Yeah. And they were big cans of beer, too. They were like, I don't know, pints, maybe even, I don't know, if there's something, if there's a can that's bigger than a pint. But it, uh, it was, you know, two big cans of beer. I mean, you know, pot, quite possibly holding it for a friend or his wife or something. But anyway, the ball's coming right at him. He's got two two cans of beer he doesn't panic he just lets the ball hit him in the chest it drops right in front of him and then he kneels down i get presumably puts the beers on the uh, on the ground and picks up the ball and, <laughs> just like a soccer play you know that yeah. thing where you stop the ball with your chest and it drops right in front of you right. right in front of you that's what he did i didn't see what the exit velocity was on that home run but your typical home run you know they measure these things now your typical home run is is at least 100 miles an hour off the at bat least. now that's off the bat i what you know I, I guess it slows down by the time it gets out there but you know you're talking about a a, a hard baseball going around 100 miles an hour it just took it right in his chest <laughs> But but he had all that beer to sort of right. soften the blow. So <laughs> right. Uh, the the funny thing about that was that there was a guy next to him. He was sort of like near an aisle, and there you could see it on the footage. There's a guy next to him who sort of scrambles over to try to pick up the ball off the ground. And you know, in the moment, you know, everybody wants to catch a home run ball. In the moment. I don't know that I maybe I would have tried the same thing, but it, it's a bad look. They showed this replay over and over again. And clearly the guy who let that ball hit him right in the chest and have it drop right in front of him deserves that ball. Absolutely. Right. So that guy, I want to know who that guy was who tried to scramble over there on his knees and try to steal that ball from the guy. Because that, that's sort of a bad move. Yeah, bad move. Bad yeah. move. But, but uh, the funny thing to add to all the funny things is that Budweiser <laughs> sponsored the guy. <laughs> they, they they bought him tickets to the World Series. They yep. bought him tickets to last night's game, and they're, and, they're, and they got him. Go ahead. Well, they're selling T-shirts. They're selling T-shirts. <laughs> You're 15 minutes of fame, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right? What's the slogan? It's like always protect the beer or something. Something like that. Yeah, beers first or something like that. I don't know. But there's some guy who, at Anheuser-Busch, some marketing guy who jumped on that. And it's like, uh, that guy, he's on his way up. He's up the cover. He's going right <laughs> up the corporate ladder. All the way to the tippy top. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. I will thank our first sponsor. And then we'll get into the, the real show. Express VPN. Look, I've uh, you get on a public Wi-Fi network. You go on on somebody else's network. You don't know what's going on. You go into an airport. You go into a coffee shop. Get on the on the on the the Wi-Fi. You can't be sure what's going on. Uh, there's other things you can do with the VPN too. But one thing is basically that it makes your connection private. Everywhere, everything your device does on on the internet is private when you're connected to a VPN, even if the network itself isn't private. That's VPN, virtual private network. It's like you have your own little private network tunneling through the non-private network. Express VPN is a company that takes privacy and security to the next level. They invented a technology called Trusted Server. 
to ensure that VPN servers run from RAM and that no data logs are written to a server's hard drive even by accident. It is the fastest and most reliable VPN. They are also recommended as the number one VPN provider by review sites like TechRadar and CNET. All you need to do is download the ExpressVPN app on your computer or smartphone, and then use the internet just as you normally would. You click one button in the v- ExpressVPN app to secure 100% of your network data. You don't have to worry. You don't have, if you're thinking in the back of your mind, well, that sounds good. I'd like to have that. But oh, the complex networking stuff, I don't, know. I don't know anything about that. You don't need to know it. You download the app. You click one button, and all of a sudden, your connection is private. It's really that simple. They've encapsulated all of the complexity in a one-button type thing. You want to turn it off? Guess what? Tap the same button. If you want the best in online security and privacy select protection, not selection, head on over to expressvpn.com slash TTS, TTS for the talk show. And when you use that link, expressvpn.com slash TTS, you will get three extra months free with a one-year package. Protect your internet today with the VPN that is recommended by CNET and TechRadar. Go to expressvpn.com slash TTS to get started. Uh, uh, I guess we should start with the AirPods Pro, right? I mean, that's the I'm, news. I'm, I'm fascinated by I, – I thought your write-up was great, in, and especially in the sense that it really – for someone who ha, who's never seen them, and most of us have never seen the AirPods Pro – you really took us on a journey and answered, I think, the questions, certainly the questions that I had about what the, what it was like to wear them. And you took them all the way from New York to Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think it was a pretty good test. And for like getting something, you know, and there, there was no um, embargo on it from Apple. Uh, Apple, you know, I didn't find out. I didn't know until I think Sunday night that there was something on Tuesday in New York, uh, you know, and they don't tell you exactly what it is. And then, and then on Monday, Apple officially announced them, you know, with a, uh, newsroom post. And then they unveiled the spectacularly bad <laughs> website, uh, scroll, uh, so, scroll a palooza. I think. So once that happened, then Apple PR, you know, said, you know, this is for, uh, you know, the, this is, this is why we want you to come to New York for a briefing. It'll be on background only, which is you know their usual terms, uh, and they wanted to recommend you know they wanted to emphasize that that I you know which I I knew but you know maybe other people in the media wouldn't it was that you needed to upgrade your phone to thirteen point two to support you know Air, uh, the AirPods Pro require iOS thirteen point two or later, um, uh, so yeah I was in New York to, I got them talked to Apple asked questions. Uh, and then it, you know, left around two thirty. Got home around five. But you know, it was a really good test. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to repeat all of it, but I mean, New York City streets, New York City subway, um, the Amtrak train, and you know, if you and for those of you, I know that that's sort of a regional thing in the U.S. But it, you know, Amtrak is. How would you say it compares to an airplane in terms of noise? It's a very airplanes are much more consistent white noise. And exactly, exactly. It's it's a, it's a um, much more up and down kind of noise. And it, that you said, I think clackety clack or something like that. That's clack- exactly what it, yeah, clackety clack rumble. Uh, yeah, that's what it's like, and it's and it's uh, almost uh, nonstop. You know, obviously when the train stops, there's no noise, right. but as the train is is rolling along, it's you know pulls it. It's it's hitting those. 
those uh, tracks and you're it's really loud and if if the airpod uh airpods pro could deal with that i think that's a really good test the airplane it's less uh there's i think there's less calculations per second going yeah. on it seems like easier noise to filter just right it, right it's sort of like pure white noise in a way um and then walking, you know, from 30th Street Station back to my home in Center City, Philly, you know, and wearing them around the house where it isn't noisy. Um, pretty good test. I mean, so getting stuff and trying to write about it that night is really, really hard. Uh, and for a complex product, I'd never even try it. Like I maybe for like first impressions, if if I only got if I got like a review unit iPhone, I, maybe I'd write something that the night that I got it, but for the most part, even just doing them on a one week schedule seems incredibly difficult, but AirPods are so simple, really, you know, that it, it kind of can be encapsulated, you know, three, four hours experience is pretty good. Except I think what you did was there are a number of kind of big deals about the AirPods that you, uh, that you really captured like the you know there's transparency mode and the noise cancellation and the um the sort of the physical controls and then the software controls you got all of them and i think they're each um worth talking about like i i had a question you you raised the point that you hadn't um you you actually didn't bring your what were the uh uh bose quiet comfort twos i think the model number is but there i have i have a couple year old player bose noise canceling over the ear headphones okay so so let me ask you a question that i have which is when you put on those bows i i don't know if they're if you could walk outside like are they small enough you could wear them outside i could but i i think wearing over the ear headphones outside is weird i don't know i mean i know some people do it but but let's say you did and they are wireless they're you know they're they're I don't know. I haven't used wired headphones in quite some time. So I could go outside. So let, let's say you did, right? And you have, because you have a sense of how they are with noise cancellation. And specifically, I'm thinking walking on the street. So you have to be somewhat aware of the, uh, you know, traffic, the, you know, people beeping their horns or whatever, that you have to be aware of all the stuff that's going on around you so that you don't, you know, walk in the middle of, in front of a car or whatever, right? It, it is, the one thing I got from your write-up was that the um, the AirPods Pro have the ability to, um, you know, to 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 uh, what, transparency mode. I guess is what I'm talking about. The the idea that you can hear parts of what's going on around you. Did the Bose let you do that as no, well, or they don't have a mode like that? They're either on or they're off, and so it's always noise cancellation. And I think the way Apple presents it in the user interface. Have you seen it? Like I had like the little movie, but it's like you in, in control center. If you force tap, if you have the AirPods pro in, you force tap on the volume and you get more, you know, specific options. You it's, get like three, it pops up into right. three different pieces. Right. But it's, I think that's, it, it, it conveys just how different transparency is, you know, transparency isn't like, uh, like where I'm going is in, in theory, you could have a feature, right? Where either noise cancellation is on or off, right? On, you're either just playing, just playing the audio with noise, no noise cancellation off, or you're using noise cancellation on and transparency could be a checkbox. Like, like, Oh, it's like an option for when noise cancellation is on. Do you also want to use transparency to get some, 
surrounding sounds through or something like that. But that's not what it's like at all. It is, it is in practice an entirely different mode. It is absolutely nothing like the noise cancellation, and it is nothing at all like having noise cancellation off. It is a third mode. It is equally, you know, like they're pre- it's it's really like the other side of the coin with noise cancellation compared to regular non regular AirPods. And I think the way that they present it as such is is exactly right. It is the and if there's anything that longer term, you know, whether I'll write about it or others, something that I think is going to take days or a week before we really get it figured out is that whole this transparency mode. It really deserves more attention. It's it's really mind bending and kind of interesting. And uh, nobody really saw that coming. Like the rumor was, oh, the new AirPods are going to have noise cancellation. Everybody knows what noise cancellation is. And lo and behold, they have noise cancellation. But really, in terms of the presentation and and the feature set, you know, like when you squeeze by default, when you squeeze that, uh, what do they call it? The force sensor, the, the, the quote unquote button on the buds, when you press and hold it, it toggles between two things transparency and noise cancellation it's effectively it's 50 percent of what you're supposed to be doing with it i mean whether they expect you'll use it 50 percent of the time or not i don't know but it's 50 percent of the feature set of what makes these different than regular airpods so so can you explain using a real world example what would if i was in the i was in an environment where i had noise cancellation on I heard I hear nothing but music if I have music on, or I hear nothing if I've got nothing playing. But with transparency, what kind of noises would filter through? Would I hear cars, car yeah. engines? Yes, definitely. You hear most things. It's it's very hard to describe, and you I can't record it right because it's only in my ears, so I can't play it. And you kind of have to hear it. Even if I could record it, it, it you listening it, it, it with a different sort of you know like a speaker on your computer or different type of headphones that aren't don't have the the silicone seals to seal off your ears you kind of have to experience it but you definitely hear ambient noise so um like in a in my corner grocery store where the 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 cooler is pretty loud you know the thing that you can walk up and take cold beverages out of and buy them um you don't hear it at all with noise cancellation but you definitely hear it with uh transparency on but it's not the same as the way you hear it when you're wearing regular ear pods that don't have noise cancellation or a sealed ear canal. It's sort of less. It is sort of dampened, but you hear it. Um, it's really hard to explain. And, I'm, and they're definitely filtering stuff. And it's not just pure pass-through. You know, It's not like they're just broadcasting what, what's on the outside, although mostly they are. But it's... It, it, you know, and it's obviously meant to be to keep what it is you're listening to, either music or, a, you know, the video that you're watching or a podcast you're listening to. You're you are obviously supposed to be able to continue enjoying the music or listening to the podcast while these sounds from the outside are also getting pumped through. It, it, it seems like magic that they the way that they've that they balance it. It, it is when you want it, when, it, when I've wanted it so far, I mean, whatever we are about 27 hours in, uh, it seems like exactly the right thing. So one thing I figured out today that I was kind of leaning towards last night, but I I've convinced myself today after running, going out and running some errands before you and I, uh, recorded this 
is I definitely like transparency mode while I'm walking around the city. It is, it, it, and typically for me, it's for listening to podcasts. I very seldom listen to music when I'm just walking around. I listen to podcasts. Um, I can hear the podcast just fine. It's very hard to describe how it's how being able to hear the city around me compares with these AirPods Pro buds with transparency on compared to the regular AirPods. Uh, what are we going to call them? AirPods Amateur. Uh, <laughs> uh, that I've been using for you know three years now as I walk around the city listening to podcasts. It's different. But the effect is similar, you know, like I would, I, you know, you can tell by the way they feel in your ear that they're different and it definitely sounds different, but I don't like walking around the city with noise cancellation on. It is too, I'm too in my head and I, I, I you know, and obviously too isolated, right? Right. And it's not like you can't be safe as a pedestrian walking around the city like that. Cause quite obviously there are, you know, millions of people who have low hearing who, navigate the world just fine but because i don't have low hearing i'm you're not good at being I, a low hearing person i would say i'm bad at, i would say i'm downright bad at it right like it, it's i i feel nervous and i feel like it's generally general genuinely dangerous for me to be walking around uh the streets of philadelphia with noise cancellation on and I, I don't find it pleasant. Uh, it's too weird to me, right? It, it Maybe I could get used to it. But, it, you know, like what would have happened if these AirPods Pro had come out and they only had noise cancellation on or off and they didn't have transparency? I was trying to think about it today and I'm not sure what I would have done. Uh, it, it's hard to say, but I definitely know that I prefer transparency to either of those options while walking around the city. So I find it interesting that Apple has a killer feature here, right? Transparency is one of the killer features of, of the AirPods Pro. And maybe killer feature isn't the right term, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. that sell the thing they can sell, something they can get their hands around as a selling team, right? right. They did this. This would have been perfect for a keynote. This would have been a perfect thing with you know something play, some sound playing uh, and a video playing above – Tim Cook's head or whoever, where um, they they flipped the switch and you were in noise cancellation mode and they flipped another switch and now you're in transparency mode and you could hear it with visuals to sort of guide you to what you're, you know, what's obviously a dog is barking. And then, yeah, but I, I don't know how, you know, in theory, yes, but in practice, I'm not sure how you it's 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 like you can't show off the quality of a screen on a screen. Right. And, and yep. when they introduced yep. HomePod, I think it was Phil Schiller on stage. He even said when they introduced HomePod, I think it was at a WWDC. Um, this is really hard. Like he, he wanted to demonstrate the way that HomePod adjusts itself to the acoustics of the room that you're in and the way that it has an accelerometer. And as soon as you move it, it knows to reconfigure itself as soon as it detects that you've stopped moving it. And how do you simulate the way that HomePod will sound in your living room or your kitchen or your office in a 5,000-person auditorium. But but HomePod, I think you're listening to the quality yeah. of the audio, whereas this would be like yeah. you could you could demonstrate noise cancellation easily, right? Because right. you'd have sound, 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 right. sound, sound, and then quiet, right. a hush. Right. And then you'd have 
you know, I, I think they could do it, but I'll tell you what, I think we're going to see some pretty cool commercials. It's, 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 Apple's going to, I'm sure they yeah. have ads in the hopper ready yeah. to, to release or close to. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard, it's, it's a hard thing to market, I think, though, because it, it you got to figure most people don't have, you know, the majority of people who might buy these probably possibly have never used noise canceling headphones before. And probably if they have, they've had over the ear ones, not ones that go in your ear. And part of the reason that this is such a genius feature, and at this point, twenty, like I said, 27 hours in, I'm willing to describe it as essential. It's essential to the nature of the product is the fact that because of their ear buds, those tips, the silicone tips seal in your ear canal. So if you just have them in and you're not playing anything and you just turn them off, they, you know, they're effectively like wearing earplugs. You, you do hear less of the real world around you. And so the only way you, you know, you hear way more of the world around you with transparency mode on than you do, even if you turn noise cancellation completely off, because once they're in your ear, you're somewhat sealed off from the surroundings. So do you did having the experience now and put yourself in the in the you know the position of someone with a budget who's on a budget who I can you know I have a limit you you can buy this is your job you can buy all the all the gear but someone just a regular person who's thinking about I want to buy some headphones if uh the AirPods are $159 right. the AirPods Pro $249, right? I think that's the, the price. Well, there's three, so, there's three price points. And let's, I, I like to round up the extra buck. So let's call regular AirPods 160 Regular AirPods with the Qi charging case are right, two, right. 200 you have to, It's a $40 premium to get the case that Qi charges. And then the Pros are 250 and only, you know, only come with a Qi-capable Qi case. Um. Are well, they, let's so, t- so tell me your 60 to 250 is a pretty big jump. And I could see how someone who's price conscious is just going to go for the $160 regular ones. And, you know, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. The, the one that doesn't make as much sense to me is if you want, if you're going to spend 200 on the one with the Qi charging case, you might as well spend 50 more bucks and get these provided that you give them a shot first. If, you know, if you're really, I mean, you can buy them, and and if you do, if they really don't fit your ear or you find it physically uncomfortable, you you know you can send them back to Apple in the return period. So you don't have to go to the store to try them. Um, but every, I hate sending stuff back. So I, you know, the fact that you can try them on in a store is to me a big advantage. If I were uncertain about it, I would definitely go and try it first. I, I have returned stuff to Apple before. Um, you know, I bought a phone and then I said, I don't, you know, I, this isn't the phone for me. I'm going to buy this other phone. Uh, and they made it so easy. And, and you know, there, there's yeah. there's that sort of potential of, for guilt. There yeah. was none of that. None yeah. of that. It was like, no, we want you to be happy. Yeah, we yeah. really want it. So please yeah. get what you want. That, I think that's great. So so the, the $250, um, you're getting... The noise cancellation, the the transparency mode, new sort of uh, physical things, uh, the the flat thing on one side and the button that's really not a button. It's sort of a pressure sensitive thing. Right. You're getting uh, sweat and water resistance, right? Yeah. That, uh, what do they call it? PX4, I think? Yeah, IPX4. So it's... IP, thank a, you, IPX. Apparently more sweat and water. You can't go swimming with them, but apparently it's more, you know, 
more rain and sweat resistant than AirPods, regular AirPods are. Although I haven't heard many complaints, if any, that I can think of from people who say that their AirPods shorted out or something just because they were working out. Um, but apparently they're even more water resistant, which, you know, it's only a good thing. Yeah, I, I wear AirPods every day when I'm working out. And I, you know, I sweat, whatever, and I've ne it's never been a problem for me. Yeah. They def they also fit more securely. And for me, like I wrote, I've never had an AirPod fall out accidentally, except when unthinkingly, like taking, I forget what I did the one time, why or why I did it. Like I, I had to, I took off a shirt while I was wearing them, and it, and of course, popped them right out of my ear. And I was like, oh, where the hell did that go? Uh, other than something like that, like taking off my shirt while I was wearing them just because I was absent-minded, I've never had an AirPod fall out accidentally. But I know other people, they do. Um, I saw on uh, Marquez Brownlee's YouTube quickie first impression review of them that with regular AirPods, if he shakes his head back and forth pretty quickly, like a, a pretty vehement, you know, shaking your head no gesture they can, he can make them fall out i can't even make regular airpods fall out of my ears when i do that um so i you know mine just have my ears just happen to be a shape that fits the regular airpods pretty well but i know for other people that's a real issue some people because regular airpods are one size fits all some people they don't work at all and for others i have a couple of friends who they occasionally fall out you know like while they're exercising or something these are much longer uh fit and they, they come with different uh, – like the, the uh, Powerbeats Pro, they come with the different um, sort of clickable ends, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I like it's, – it's, you know, it's not a button, but the best way to think of it is a button. And it, the way it clicks audibly in the ear on the side on which you click it is so uh, – it, it so much makes it feel – not feel to your fingers, obviously, but feel as an overall – the overall experience like a button – you know, like the button that's on the wired earbuds that come, you know, that Apple still makes. Um, like I had I, my, I, I had my son try it and didn't tell him how it worked. And uh, then I was like, now, do you think that really clicked or not? And he was completely convinced it clicked. And then when I told, you know, and then I had him take it out and squeeze it and it didn't click. He thought that maybe they had done something like the force track trackpad and had haptic you know, something haptic in there. And I was like, nope, there's no haptics. It's literally just the sound of the click, but it's so low latency and so perfectly, you know, like the, the amount you have to squeeze feels exactly right that it convinces your brain that you're clicking a button. I love it. It's, it's really, I think it's great. And I think it's one of the best things versus the regular AirPods because I don't think that that tapping the AirPods thing is a great, uh, I don't think that's a great way to a physical control. It just seems it's like you're punishing yourself a bit. Well, it's also not perfectly predictable. Right. Like I've tapped and sort of I, there's a little bit of a sweet spot. And I still to this day don't know what the sweet spot is. But I, right. there are times when I tap and nothing and then I get it right. It's like I move my finger a little bit. Yeah. So I think changing to the button is uh, is a real a real deal. Um, one of the things they talked about in the briefing, and again, it's on background, but I, th I, th I think it's okay to, you know, to reveal it as background info. And they kind of get into it in the marketing page for the AirPods. Um, but the there's three, three types of AirPods now. There's the original AirPods. There's the Generation 2 AirPods that look the same, but also have the option of the wireless charging case. 
um, which came out what earlier this year, like at the right after, like around January or February or something. Um, and now there's the AirPods Pro, but the second generation AirPods, even though they look the same, they include they're the first ones that include what Apple calls the H1 chip. Right. And this H1 chip is one of Apple's custom silicone chips and it has 10 audio cores. And um, the AirPods Pro also have the H1 chip, except in the AirPods Pro, they put the H1 chip in a what they call a SIP, a system in uh, what the hell does it stand for? System in package, which is sort of like assist, like in that, you know, like the way they call the A11 a SOC, a system on chip. It's it's some way of encapsulating multiple chips together into a smaller package, and so the actual computer running inside each of these AirPod Pro buds is significantly smaller apparently than the circuitry of the uh, the the other airpods including the generation 2 ones and because of that it takes up less space there's a, that's why the stem is smaller on the the new the new airpod pros because they don't need that extra stem space for battery like when the ifixit guys tear tore, tore the regular airpods apart you could pretty much see that those stems that come out of regular airpods are mostly filled with battery, right? The the microphones in there, you know, one of the microphones is in there. And so there's obviously some circuit, you know, cables and stuff to connect the microphone to the rest of it, but it's mostly filled with battery, but the, they made them shorter now because they don't need the space for the battery. Cause they could put more of the battery in the other part of the ear pod. And the other thing that I, they, I think they've kind of glossed over in the marketing, but I think it's a real thing. I really think it, it affects it in practice is there's uh, a, the, the black grills of on this pass through air. So, right, right. So the reason for this is to keep the air pressure inside your ear once they're in and sealed by the tip equal to the air pressure outside the your ear. And if you've ever worn earbuds that have silicone tips that seal in your ear canal, you know the experience of having those get mismatched, especially like when you're wearing them on an airplane where the air pressure changes significantly. So I haven't worn these on an airplane yet and can't verify that it's significantly different. But I never got that feeling of needing to like, you know, put my pinky in my ear to, you know, like pop it or something like that. You know, it's, I think there's something, there really is something to this uh, air channel that goes through. But I think that's just another sign of this SIP chip that the H1's in being so much smaller because they, it's so much smaller that they have space in these tiny little buds to just have empty space, right? That's the whole point I'm trying to make here is that not only did they make the stem smaller, which is obvious, but they actually had space to just leave his space so that they could pass through the air to keep the air pressure the same. So um, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I'm sort of on the website, scroll, scroll a Palooza website, you know, just sort of that yeah. crazy. Um, and, and it looks like they're, uh, as you're describing all this, I'm seeing it. It's, you described yeah. it well. The uh, those vents are they seem much bigger than what was on the 
first generation or the second generation AirPods. Yeah, they're and definitely the, bigger. And the second generation AirPods, I looked it up while you were talking, uh, was that right before WWDC, March 20th hmm. was the, of this year was the announcement. Remember that sequence of things that happened oh, before right, WWDC? Right. Well, that's quite a bit before WWDC March. Right? Yeah, I, I think it was the first I mean, were one. You, did you black out for the months of April and May? <laughs> uh, I, I did. I hope. Uh, but yeah, it was like the week of announcements, right? It was like, you know, Monday, here's this. Tuesday, here's that. People were hoping for that this week with MacBook Pros and, and maybe Mac Pros, but obviously did not happen. And that tile thing. Oh, yeah. People want that. I don't think that's coming this year. I don't know. That seems like something that maybe got postponed for whatever reason until next year. Because that seems like something that they would have to do on stage in an event. That seems like, like I think that you know, I, I again, I, I think some people who don't think about it clearly don't think you know, people who are surprised. Like I saw a whole bunch of people yesterday say that Apple quietly announced the AirPods Pro. It's actually not very quiet. All they, the only thing is that they didn't hold one of their big public keynote events, but they kind of did a huge full court press in terms of getting as many people in the tech industry to write about these at the same time, you know, the seating, you know, a day before the writer types like me and Joanna Stern and Neelai from The Verge, uh, you know, a day before us, they had the YouTubers come in and MKBHD and iJustine and, you know, a couple of, but, you know, people with millions of subscribers. I mean, I think MKBHD is up to just a hair under 10 million subscribers on his YouTube channel. Um, a whole, I mean, a whole bunch of YouTube uh, influence had videos drop yesterday morning about these things. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, it, it was not quiet. I mean, it right. was, you couldn't you couldn't miss it. I think people just underestimate how much Apple doesn't hold keynote events willy nilly just because there's something new. Like they really don't want they really want to keep their powder dry and hold events when it really means something. And if anything, you know, the one that sticks out in recent years would be that one they held last March where it was just about services and about TV shows that they didn't even show previews of. Right. Like that was the event that sort of stands out it is sort of the exception to the rule that I'm trying to say they stand by. But except that I think that people like us weren't the audience for that event. I think it was meant for Wall Street. It was, you know, the reason they held an event without previews to show was simply to make a statement about how serious they were about subscription revenue. Uh, you know, I, I do get the feeling that there's a, a sea change in terms of how product is being announced. It started with the March stuff, you know, with the, you know, we're just going to put out a news, a press release. And and maybe it's accompanied by seeding various writers, the, the tech press, whatever, the influencers. But there's also, um, there was a story about uh, a student, if you got a $4.99 a month uh, Apple Music student subscription, they're now bundling Apple TV Plus for free. Have you heard that one? No, I did not hear that. Yeah, so that's that's a thing. And the, I'd say one reason you didn't hear of it was because uh, it was not – it didn't even make an Apple newsroom story. It was uh, Haley Steinfeld, the, the – uh, you know, she's, she plays uh, Emily Dickinson on the new Apple TV Plus show. Mm -hmm. She announced it on Instagram. <laughs> 
which is a weird for Apple. That's like they're so famous for their precise control of of their message. And how often does somebody else announce an Apple product? Uh, that's re- did you link to this from uh, from the loop? I did. Uh, the, I think this was this morning. Yeah, it was the oh. first story of this morning. So if you oh. scroll back, you'll see it's a, the headline is four ninety nine a month Apple Music student subscription now bundles blah blah blah. But uh, it, you can I mean, it's, <laughs> you can see how prepared I was for this podcast by not having read your work <laughs> from today. Uh, been, yeah, that's fine. I've been busy, but, but I uh, I think that it's interesting that she's um, that. They allowed someone, you know, clearly it's someone they have a very strong relationship with because she's a star of an Apple TV Plus show and one of their, I would say, better rated Apple TV Plus shows. And uh, but but it's weird to me that on Instagram, you know, not even an Apple controlled thing. Mm. Instagram is a Facebook thing, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think you're right that it's sort of a detection of the sea change in the way people consume media and what is the best way to reach people and get your message apart, across. You know, it, in the Steve Jobs era, you know, I, I think it's, it speaks to the generation that Steve Jobs was. Uh, and, you know, and I think it was true for I don't think he fell behind the times, but he clearly, and he, you know, and he, I think, was much more. I, I, I don't think anybody would deny it was much more hands-on about the public relations and product marketing strategy than Tim Cook is. Not that Tim Cook doesn't care, but Tim Cook isn't a micromanager, right? Tim Cook doesn't sit down and sketch out the design for new hardware because he's the CEO. Um, you know, Tim, Steve Jobs largely did it, you know, or was involved in his own PR. Um, uh, and he, what he cared about, obviously, were the big daily newspapers. You know that that in the Jobs era, the like the, they you know, were the influencers, right? And you know the the no better example than you know the single greatest you know uh, Apple product of all time, the original iPhone. Uh, David Pogue got it, who at the time was the tech columnist for the New York times Uh walt mossberg of course tech columnist uh for the wall street journal at the time ed Begg at usa today and stephen levy who was at newsweek at the time so not a newspaper but stephen levy is you know super super, is still super great writer um with a great history of covering uh Jobs' career all the way back to like the original Apple One, you know, like when the two Steves were were running Apple together. I mean, so a very very old school traditional mindset of who who they need to get in the media to influence the world and how do you well, reach them? Um, and you know, I, I think the biggest difference between then and now, and I think it's been a slow evolution, was at that time it was four four reviewers. And that was it, right? So it's four things, and that was it. And now it's spread out among so many dozens, you know. So no one person has anywhere near the influence of, say, Walt Mossberg from back then. Nobody. Nobody. I don't know who you would say, like, the most influential. One would say is the most influential reviewer of this year's new iPhones. I I don't, you know, even it certainly isn't me in terms of market, you know, reaching the most people uh i don't know you know it's there's nobody like that's certainly true that's certainly true but but um i think that 
there's a there's a flip side of that too on Apple side. Apple side, the PR people are they can't it can't be one person controlling the PR message, right? Right. It, it, right. It's groups of people, and each right. group has its PR people. And right. also, back in the day, I'm talking about Steve. He was um, not that not to address Tim and, and tag him in any way, label him anyway, but Steve, we clearly know, was the visionary, the, the guy who, who thought of the product and said, this is what we're going to do. And then he would take input from other people, but he was that filter. He was that bottleneck for product design, right? Right, right. And, and so when he was connecting to someone, to Walt Mossberg or, or, or Stephen Levy or, or pick your, your person, when he was connecting to those pers- people, he was on the phone with them. He was talking to them. He was sort of evangelizing the product. There was a very direct connection. And now there's like five levels of indirection between yeah. you know, the product visionary and there's, there's got to be you – know, there's, a, there's a watch – product visionary, I think. Yeah. And there's a AirPods product visionary. And there may be, it may not even be a single person. It may be a group of designers who, you know, who all have sort of a, a different, my goal is to make the smallest possible battery or to get the most amount of life from the right. battery. And another person is about the audio and hmm. li- like that. It's, it's just, Apple has become such a much more complex company. They're you know, they're just in so many more pieces. It's just hard to compare the yeah. old days with the new days. And so we have new things, new ways of getting the message out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to speak as an expert on how to reach your uh, <laughs> millennials. <laughs> but I, I can't help but think off the top of my head that having an Instagram star who's on a Apple TV Plus show do it on Instagram is a pretty good way to reach the actual people who are of the age and demographic who might pick up a $5 a month student Apple Music subscription and then start watching TV Plus shows. Like, I, I had tossed that around, that whole idea, before they announced how you were actually going to pay for Apple TV Plus. I was a big proponent of the idea that maybe they'll just give it to everybody who has Apple Music, right? Just Apple Music now includes Apple TV Plus, even before we knew the name. Because I didn't think it was so much – and I know that they they keep talking about services, 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 to the point where there are people – and I I really think it's totally wrong. And I almost – I can't believe how many people – I don't want to say fall fall for it, but people who say that Apple as a company is pivoting towards services – when they haven't done anything to decrease their interest or reliance on making hardware products that they've always done, it's it's an expansion of their domain, not a shifting of their intentions. In my no, belief, I, I, I think it's I think it's more uh, not to not disagreeing with you as much as I, I'd say you could fine tune the model to say that uh, there's a financial right. analysis you could do, and in which case, yeah, they're pivoting to services. For what are where are their dependencies? Well, they're they're they recognize that their the um, smartphone market is, is maturing, and they need to you know have a model that that where they can still provide satisfaction to their shareholders by having growth like that. But that's just the financial side. On the product side, it's still the product side, and right. the products they're still building products. They're still building Macs. They're still building allegedly. They're still building a Mac Pro. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, I so you know, I, and I get it. That, and like I said, I think that whole March event was geared towards Wall Street, and it was to 
to yeah. to have a story. You need a, you know, Wall. You know, it, it, we're human. Human beings love stories, and it's what we're hooked up to 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 understand. And it's a story, and I don't think it, it's not it's not bullshit. It's it's not like they're not putting a lot of you know they're supposedly spending billions of dollars on these original content shows i mean it's even for apple billions of dollars is something that you know pretty sure you have to send to tim cook's desk you know like nobody's <laughs> nobody's putting that putting that through without you know somebody double checking it you know they have you know hundreds of billions but still once you're in the billions you know that's something that's truly strategic to the company um I don't know. We're, we're 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 a little off the the chart there, but anyway, that's really interesting. I'm not surprised though that they're doing this, tossing in the Apple TV. I really think they just want what they want is they just want people to pay for subscriptions. Period. And if you're paying for the games and the the music and maybe you know, I mean, I, I'm sure news is sort of the ugly stepchild there that probably has will have wind up with the lowest number of subscribers. Um, Although there's and there's still definitely the possibility that once the TV stuff gets off the ground a little more, that they're going to roll out some kind of Apple Prime. Well, like everybody calls it Prime, like Amazon Prime. Like you get Amazon Prime and then you get everything. Uh, so for lack of a better word, I'm sure they'll come up with their own name, but Apple Prime, or you get all of it. Um, and again, students, you know, who, who you know don't have money because they're students, right? So you know, we just want you on board. We'd we just if you just give us five dollars a month, <laughs> and but millions and millions of you do it, we'd be delighted to allow you to watch the TV Plus shows too. And because they're students and don't have a lot of money to toss around on a subscription there and a subscription here and a subscription over there, they also don't have money to buy a new iPhone every year. So they're not going to necessarily, you know, they're less likely than idiots like me who buy one every single year to just automatically luck my way into the, I don't have to pay for Apple. You know, I don't have to pay $5 a month for TV plus because I was smart and <laughs> spent $1,400 on a phone. Right. So, so the TV Plus thing, I think, is interesting because their goal, I think, is not necessarily in the short term to have a lot of subscribers. Much more their goal, I think, in the short term is to have a lot of viewers, have a lot of people tasting the the service just to get a sense of it. And they know it's good. They know their first kick at the can is going to be okay, maybe not the best possible thing because they're learning. They're eating their learning curve now. But yeah. in a year... Yeah. After everybody has had a free year with their purchase of their iPhone or piece of hardware, their Apple TV, whatever their piece of hardware is, after a year, they'll have a lot more shows, presumably, and they'll also, I think, be in the later episodes of shows where they've th yeah. they've put some of those lessons learned to work. And the what, what's the show with Jennifer Aniston? The uh, morning, the morning show. show. Yeah, yeah. So the the morning show. What I've read is that the earlier episodes were they struggled with their yeah. their you know the the vision is is a little hard to to parse but as they're as they went further along the sense i get is that it's you know they they start, they're going to find a groove and yeah. i think they will even if you go to episodes 5 6 and 7 which nobody's seen yet they'll you know they'll they'll start to have an understanding of what makes a a serial show bingeable what makes it hold people's attention there's all kinds of really well-known lessons in crafting shows that apple's just they're learning now they're they're it's not fair to assume that they should know this so the nice thing is apple has these deep pockets 
and they're definitely not going to turn the switch off like you know the Google does famously turns off pro- projects that don't make sense to, to somebody. Yeah. Apple's I don't believe there I I believe that Apple TV Plus is has a really long lifespan and that means that we'll get more uh, more products and they'll start to have a back catalog which is going to take time to do and they'll also have um better quality products as they go well i i'm i'm a big believer in i can't take credit for it it's um uh peter kafka's theory peter kafka who writes it about the media recode he was on my show uh like half a year ago and we were talking about it i love his theory which is that strategically for apple a big part of the tv plus is nothing to do with whatever money they will actually make from tv plus but it's to get people using the Apple TV app. And that explains why they're willing to put it on Samsung TVs and LG TVs and Amazon's uh, boxes. Um, Because once you're in the TV app, which is where you have to go to watch TV plus, and I think giving it away, quote unquote, free to everybody who buys a device and giving it away free, you know, which isn't really free to all these students paying $5 a month. All of it, you know, sure, it gets you watching TV Plus. And sure, maybe eventually you're not going to have a free subscription and you will pay $5 a month. But once you're in that Apple TV app on your phone, on your tablet, on your actual TV set, you're right there next to those channels that they've talked about and hasn't really gotten a lot of attention, but which is a way um, to get you to pay for other things like CBS All Access, where you have to go to watch the Star Trek shows. And uh, presumably that's where the Disney Plus thing will be, because apparently, you know, Disney and Apple are going to you know make this work somehow you know, financially where you'll be able to sign up for the Disney, uh, streaming thing, you know, pretty much everybody, but Netflix, you can get right there in the channels thing and Apple gets a cut of that. And it's not 30, you know, from the big ones, they're certainly not going to get 30% from Disney, but they're going to get something and you get a little bit here and a little bit there. And all of a sudden it adds up to a lot, but you're not going to get them to sign up for Disney plus unless they're using the TV app and to get them, you know, so I, I kind of like it. I mean, effectively, it's I'm not going to call it a Trojan horse, but it's sort of like the whole maybe the main point of TV plus isn't to get you to sign up for TV plus, but it's to get you in the TV app in the first place where you will sign up for channels. Maybe that's really interesting. I I, I have not heard that theory before. Is it is it that um, so? So do you think people who don't use the TV app now will be forced to use the TV app when uh, basically November 1st in a couple of days? Uh, I don't think. Well, to do what? To watch TV Plus. Yeah, I think you have to. You have to go through the TV app. Yeah, I don't think there's any other way to do it. And now you can get that app on your Apple products, and you can get that app now on your. Um, I forget if they're on the the Roku or not, uh, but I know they're on the Amazon uh, sticks. Fire Stick. Yeah. Fire Stick, and they're on the you know the the ones that are the partnerships where they're built into some of the TV sets uh, are already rolling out um yeah as far as i know the only unless i'm missing something the only way to watch apple tv plus is the apple's original content shows is to use the apple tv app on whatever platform you want but then you're already right there and ready you know right there like a couple of taps away from um 
And they are, uh, you're obviously already signed in. The only way you can watch TV Plus is to be signed into your Apple IT. So you're already right there. Just a couple of taps on whatever remote control you use for your device or whatever screen <laughs> you're on from signing up for CBS All Access or something like that because you want to watch the new Picard show or, or you know, the Disney thing or whatever. So Netflix, even though you can't sign up for Netflix on the Apple TV because for obvious reasons Netflix doesn't want to share their revenues with Apple – you can still watch Netflix on your Apple TV Plus or on the Apple TV app. Yeah, right? No, not not through the TV app. Well, when I when I launch my Apple TV, and I, I I'm not I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the TV app, so I could be wrong about the way this works. But when I fire up my Apple TV, I think I'm in the TV app by default because there's two sort of default. No, well, I don't know. I places. maybe I have mine set up differently. I go to right to the home screen. I don't know. Maybe they are in the TV app. I don't know. I don't know, but you certainly can't sign up for it there. And, yeah, I, you know, and Apple's interest is you signing up for quote-unquote channels. And I think that that strategy explains the weird uh, – everybody walked out of that March event holding their head like, why didn't they show us previews? And why – what the hell is the difference right. between channels right. and TV plus, you know? You know, why did – you know, but they, the channel's product is all about other people's content. But it's other people's content in a way that Apple gets a taste of the the subscription money, right? It's not uh, – that's the whole point of channels, obviously, is so that you – if you're going to watch CBS All Access or uh, sign up for Hulu or something like that, you know, that you're going to do it through TV and Apple gets some kind of cut. All right. So, so let me ask you this question about um... – sort of related to the Apple TV Plus discussion. What do you think are the biggest in your just right off the top of your head, what do you think are the biggest uh streaming services, the most important streaming services? Is Netflix still the big dog? Oh, of course. I'm sure. I don't even think it's close. I, I would guess. I, I I'm talking right out of my right out yeah, of my yeah, ass. That's 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 fine. I but would guess about- I would guess Netflix in terms of eyeballs, the only thing you could compare it to is YouTube. And it, that's not an app. That is an apples to oranges comparison, right? YouTube is its own beast, unlike anything else. There is nothing else to compare YouTube to, except for the fact that you have to zoom out to the level of, hey, we're all human beings and we only get 24 hours a day. And so you can only watch so much at once. Yeah. Even, even though you know, my son usually watches two things at once. So you can. You can double it to some degree by playing video games while you watch a second screen. Uh, but nobody talks about the third screen, right? I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere out there. There's some poor kid with a, 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 a tension-rattled brain who's got a third <laughs> screen propped up. But for the most part, people talk about the second screen for good reason. But anyway, we still only have so many hours in a day. You can only watch so many YouTube. Even if you only watch YouTube or only watch Netflix, you're, you can't even keep up with the new content. So let's put YouTube out of it because they're they're not in that streaming or YouTube that I'm talking about isn't about streaming. I think, Absolutely. I think, so Netflix, I think Netflix consumes more hours of attention than all of the others combined would be my guest hbo plus hulu plus prime plus uh whatever else and if they don't it's they're still so much bigger you know it, it's it's hard to compare but but now we've got disney plus coming right right no, november 14th or whenever the the drop date is right Th- that's and and disney plus 
I think more than everybody, but maybe HBO, but even bigger than HBO, maybe. Certainly comparable to HBO. They have the, the back catalog of all back catalogs. They have, I think, the most valuable back catalog of anybody. Well, with, they, they've, they're like the ones, they're the one company that's famously valued their back catalog. Right. They call it the Disney vault and they've they've called it that, you know, it's not just about the streaming era. They've called it about that back when movies you only were seen in movie theaters. Like yeah, when you had Bambi. Right. They, they famously didn't put those movies out on VHS or, or when they did, they made a huge deal out of it. Like so VHS became a big deal and you could buy movies and watch them at home whenever you wanted to. And it was a huge deal. And I was super, super excited about it. Like and somehow I, I, I've told this story, I think, years ago on the show. But my friend J.D. growing up somehow got an illegal copy. His dad seemed hooked up into that sort of market where, where JD's dad knew a guy who knew a guy. And he had a VHS copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark before Raiders of the Lost Ark was commercially available on VHS. Like how this thing came into being and how a copy of it ended up at my friend JD's house, I don't know. <laughs> but for years, uh, if, if it was like a Saturday and it was rainy or uh, cold... And so we couldn't go outside and play sports. JD would call and he'd say, you want to watch Raiders? And I'd say, sure. And I'd go down to JD's house and we'd watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and I swear to God, that was it was the only movie. It wasn't like, you want to come down to my house and watch a movie? It was, do you want to watch Raiders? And I'd come down and we would watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, which still to this day is one of my favorite movies of all time. But there's no movie, no movie, no, not Star Wars, not uh, like Monty Python, not any of the movies that you know, people of my generation have watched multiple times. There's no movie that I have every line of dialogue committed to memory like I do Raiders of the Lost Ark. But anyway, Disney at the time, even when people started making, studios started making all of this extra money, you know, they they were still doing their budgets based on what they thought they'd make from the theaters. And then they'd make extra money by selling VHS tapes for and they were expensive. Do you remember how it was like sixty or seventy bucks to buy <laughs> to buy a movie on VHS? And they would do a thing <laughs> where they would say, "This is going to be. We're going to start selling it on this date, and we're going to stop, stop selling it right. on this date, and right. that's it." And yeah. and they were they were good to their word. They when they stopped selling it, they they those copies dried up. You couldn't buy yeah. it anywhere. Yeah, and Disney for for decades would just re-release. You know, I remember going to see Peter Pan in the theater and, you know, Peter Pan had been out for 40 years, but they, they did like a big, you know, as though it was a brand new movie. They're like, look, you haven't, we haven't let you see this for 20 years, but here it is right. 1978 or nine or whatever it was, Peter Pan back in theaters and, you know, I go to see it. Uh, so, so the, the point is that Disney plus has, they have star Wars, they have, mm. they have such a massive catalog, all the Pixar stuff. They have the Simpsons, right? Isn't that right. Disney plus? Oh, all the uh, people under uh, people. Disney is such a strong brand. People don't, uh, uh, people who don't pay attention to like, Oh, is it the Paramount logo or the Columbia logo or the 20th century Fox logo that comes up before the movie starts? People under I might underestimate just how big the 20th Century Fox library is of of huge hit movies. So they have they have this back catalog that will crush everybody else. So you could, and and Jim Dalrymple, who you know we do the podcast, the, the Dalrymple Report every week. Jim famously has no interest in Disney Plus, but I think they will have a massive following that will I think rival Netflix because right. it's so cheap. Right. Right. And they 
I think they're setting the bar. They're setting the price for this market where, you know, you, all you can eat for this price. Why yeah. would you go spend twice that? And, and HBO has divided up all their services. Disney Plus is everything. HBO has HBO Go and HBO Now and HBO Max and HBO. And I couldn't tell you what the four things, what, what's different about them all. Yeah. One of them is live HBO, obviously, but the rest are different takes on their HBO back catalog. Yeah, and HBO Go is the one I use because I still have a cable subscription that includes HBO. So it's they're so screwed up in their back end. I think they had to. I don't think it's because they're inept. I think it's because of the weird contracts they're in with cable providers right, for right, exclusivity right. That, that they are separate services there. So HBO go is what you go and sign up for. If you already have access to HBO through your cable subscription, old school cable, then you get the HBO go app and somehow sign in through your cable provider. And now you can watch shows on demand in the app. And that's what I use because I have it. And then the other one is it, is HBO if you don't if you're a cord cutter and you need you need to pay HBO directly to get HBO. But that's somehow HBO is that HBO now? Yeah, I think that's HBO now. And suppose and HBO <laughs> HBO Max is a different thing. All right. HBO Max is their new thing, but it's very confusing. But it's I, fifteen bucks a month for HBO, say right. HBO Max. You don't get all, all right. the HBO with it. So fifteen bucks and Disney is what is Disney? Like uh eight bucks six ninety nine? Or seven ninety nine, yeah, at, seven or eight bucks. And now, at some point, as you said, you have so many hours in the day. At some point, you got to choose. Right. You, you know, you could. There are people who certainly will buy all the subscriptions, yeah. but for I would say for millennials certainly, and for many people, they they look at their numbers and say, "Well, what can I afford to spend? And what am I going to do?" And and they'll say, "I'm going to pick two things to buy." Well. We're, I think we're going to start to see consolidation and elimination. We're going to start to see um, pro different subscription services go out of, you know, basically right. either, they'll have to drop their price, I think, to compete. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, It'll be interesting. Yeah, and Apple is in a unique position where they really don't have to, they don't have to make as much money from the four ninety nine a month Apple TV Plus subscriptions to pay for the shows that they're producing. Because exactly. right, that's the difference with with Apple. So you can't really compare their price to Disney's and say, well, why would I spend five dollars for a handful of shows versus eight dollars for the world's biggest treasure trove of content? Uh, well, if you're only going to choose one, sure, choose Disney. But Apple's willing to go, you know, have a lot of back doors that you can get Apple TV Plus content for quote unquote free. Just to so get that, you. that that's why I think Netflix is the big dog now. Right. I think Netflix is going to feel the squeeze eventually because their catalog is good, but it doesn't compete with Disney's. And well, they and their kids, you know, you can't underestimate the kids market, you know, and that Disney has, you know, for strategic reasons, has pulled all of their stuff from Netflix. Like everything, yeah. on, everybody knows that stuff that isn't Netflix original content drifts in and out of the Netflix. Oh, they've, you know, now you can watch old James Bond movies on Netflix again, but only until March and then they're going to go away again. Um, without the Disney stuff in there, it's Netflix is a lot less compelling for kids. Although I have to admit, I have, I, you know, my son's 15 and close to 16. I haven't really looked for like, you know, stuff that five and six year olds watch. <laughs> Add to that, a, a lot of those five and six year old kids 
well, a lot like I don't know if your son did this, but uh, a lot of those teenagers and, and older kids now grew up with the Disney Channel. Mm, and so yeah, all definitely. those shows no. like yeah. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, or yeah. I don't, I don't, I've named the only <laughs> show yeah. I can think of. But there's a bunch of Disney shows that kids feel great nostalgia for, yeah. and that makes the catalog valuable. So I think Netflix is number one now. Apple, you have to include Apple in the short list of streaming services that are going to survive and be around for the long haul, and Disney Plus clearly. But now you get to HBO, and. And you wonder, are they going to get squeezed out, or or will we have enough room for the four? And then, yeah. ha- is it could we have enough room for ten s- giant streaming services? Is Hulu going to have a problem? You know, a- HBO is sort of the Apple of original content, where they're smaller, they have fewer subscribers, you know, compared to broadcast cable networks, and they've always gotten by fundamentally on the very simple notion that their stuff is better. You know, yeah. that's their yeah. slogan. It's not TV. It's I forget which way it goes. If it's it's not TV, it's, not it's, TV, a, it's, it's HBO. HBO. Yeah. Um, it, and it's true from in my opinion, you know, like uh, their original shows really set the bar. They created these these shows that are movie quality as opposed, you know, that and, and you get people now like, you know, nobody bats an eye that Jennifer Aniston who's still a big box office star is doing a, you know, and Steve Carell and Reese Witherspoon would do a TV show like 15, 20 years ago, that was unheard of. You know, you're a right. movie star, you were, you were in the playing in the major leagues. And if you're a TV star, you were in like triple a, well, it's the decline of movies too. I, right. I think people don't go to movies nearly right. as, as often as they used to because they have all these, they have right. great TVs in their living right. rooms and they have, well, you know, and, all this content. And for adults, the movies that are getting made aren't like what they used to be. They're really more, you know, Martin Scorsese drew criticism, but I think he was very right where he was, he wasn't being disdainful. Like I, that's the thing is that if you just read the headline, you think Martin Scorsese took a shit on the, uh, the Marvel, Marvel. franchise, yeah. but he didn't take a shit on them. All he was saying, you know, he compared them to theme parks and I, it, from, from what he's talking about cinema, as being, they are. But theme park, he's not saying theme parks aren't a hell of a lot of fun. They are fun. They're great to go to, but it's not, you know, it's not cinema. Uh, uh, right? You can, you can love, and I, I like the, 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 the Marvel franchise very much. I don't like every one of them, but, you know, but I, I overall like it a lot. I, I tend to go to see them in the actual theaters, but I tend to, you know, one of the reasons I go to the theater to see the uh, like Avengers movies and stuff like that is because it is sort of like a theme park and you want to see it real big and super loud. You know, it's not at all like an adult drama. And a lot of that stuff is moved to TV shows. Yeah, I, I think about Goodfellas, which is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, the the Godfather. I, I, there's a theme here, I think. Yeah. Uh, but but I you know I love I love those movies and and they're but they're they're different than the entertainment that is more generally available now and is being produced now. Nothing like nothing like the Marvel movies. Right. But, I can't. Yeah, help. I, Are you excited about the Irishman? We can't mention Scorsese and Goodfellas and not mention that I and we're talking about Netflix. Uh, I that, hope I hope it's as good as it could be. Well, there's the reviews are excellent, really, really excellent. But so Netflix is in its position where they've gotten so big that they're uh, literally bankrolling hundred million plus dollar budget 
Martin Scorsese movies <laughs> with all these stars. And it is, you know, it, it's these weird, uh, just the way rules hang on. Like, to be considered for an Oscar, it has to have, like, an exclusive period where it's playing on actual movie theater screens. So it, The Irishman will be in movie theaters exclusively before it's on Netflix, even though Netflix, with most of their stuff, as soon as it's ready, there it is. <laughs> Stream it all. Yeah. Here's, here's 10 episodes of our show. You can watch them all do, tonight. Do you think that in, say, 10 years, do you think the Oscars will exist anymore? Do you think oh, they'll always be the Oscars yeah. or will it change? No, they'll figure out a way. I think there's always going to be movies. I mean, whether I, whether they're going to maintain the rule that it has to be in a, a cinema theater before, you know, to be... I'm sure they'll change the rules for, of consideration, but uh, I think the Oscars will remain because I, I don't think... I. Uh, who knows? I could be wrong, but I don't think movies will stop, and I don't think being a movie star will stop being a thing. I just think well, it's shifting. I just think that the shift from actual theater theaters to watching m more and more first-run movies on home theaters is inevitable, and it's fine. I mean, part of that is me being older. I mean, like the social aspect, like when I was a teenager, going to a movie with a bunch of friends was like the best. That was just... Yeah. absolutely fantastic like i specifically remember like which theater in the area we went to see uh die hard at you know i remember the theater it was the fox north theater in in redding pennsylvania where i saw die hard uh just it, it was like this that was living for me you know that, that this is uh, living the high life as being like a 13 year old going to see an r-rated uh excellent classic who knew, we didn't know it at the time, but you know, an excellent adventure movie like Die Hard in a big theater with all of my pals. You know, that was great. Now I'm a crufty old man. I want to be left alone, and I want to want to watch movies in the privacy of my own home. And you, you, you also want subtitles, and you want to be able to pause it when you want to pause it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I can't hold my, I can't hold my urine for that long. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, that is a thing. I guess I can. I do still go to theaters, and I and I don't want to, you know, go see Star Wars when it opens. You know, I, I but I have to like strategically plan my caffeine intake before going to the movies so that I right, right. so that I'm not <laughs> ready to be. All right, let me take a break here and thank our next sponsor, my good friends at Linode. Linode is a server hosting company, and they're proud to announce their newest data center in Toronto, Canada, is open. And they've got one in Mumbai. I think it's open, actually. So that maybe that's the newest one. But they're opening data centers all around the world. Very important because uh, you think, oh, I'm a nerd. You want one close to you, low latency. But guess what? There's also legal considerations. Depending on your business and what you do, you might need legally, based on your business, to have a data center in the legal jurisdiction jurisdiction where your business is. That's why Linode is expanding all around the world, in addition to the advantages of being close for latency reasons. Uh, anything you can imagine that needs a server, you can build it on Linode. Things that are small, like you want to just pay, I don't know, a couple bucks a month to host your blog, or you're running a big business and you want to have hundreds of servers available at the highest scale, you can build it on Linode. Dedicated CPUs, distributed applications, hosted services, tiny little websites, anything you can imagine you can do at Linode. All of their servers feature native SSD storage. Very important. Every one of them is on a 40 gigabit network. They use great industry-leading processors. They have great technical support. 
data centers all around the world, and you pay for what you use with hourly billing across all plans, and you can manage your costs very effectively. Their tools make it easy to provision, secure, monitor, back up your cloud. If you know you only need extra amount of bandwidth and servers because you have a big launch coming, you can scale up pay for what you use. And then when traffic recedes, the big event is over the big debut or whatever the event thing is, you go right back down and you just pay for what you use. And it's all really, really easy to manage. They have a new cloud manager with a great new user interface at cloud.linode.com. It's open source. It's a single page app built using cutting edge React JS. Uh, backed up entirely by their public beta API. They have an API for all this stuff. Really great. As nerdy as you might be listening as, to this show, you you could go all the way to the depths of system administration nerdery at Linode. If you just want to do something simple, you just want to get a get a SSH connection to a server where you can put files and host a simple blog, Linode works great for that too. And you get a $20 credit when you use promo code TALKSHOW2019. TALKSHOW2019. Go to linode.com slash the talk show. So the URL is linode.com slash the talk show. But when you want to get the $20 credit, remember that code TALKSHOW2019. They have a $5 a month plan. You get four months for free using just that code. Four months. Anyway, my thanks to Linode for sponsoring the show. I don't know how we segue. How do we segue there, Dave, from the AirPods to the streaming stuff? It was seamless. <laughs> I don't remember doing it. I don't remember doing it, but we we went seamlessly. Is there anything more on the AirPods that we have left to talk about? I don't want to keep moving down the list, but um, you know, hang on. Let me go back to your piece because that's really where I was drawing. Right. Um, so the the force sensor that so there's like a flat section on the earbud earbud yeah. stem. That just faces forward, right? right? The best way to think about it is like the new, the second generation Apple Pencil. The way there's a flat side of the Apple right, Pencil, right? So the stem of the uh, the AirPods AirPods Pro Buds. Some some say, of this say that three times fast. Some of this pluralization is is tough. Uh, is sort of like that. It's not quite because it's not flat all the way. It kind of goes back to round at the very end. Uh, but I, I think it's the closest I can come to describing it. There's a flat part of it that's very distinct. You can feel it. I'm feeling one right now. It's it's very flat. And it it faces forward when you have them in your ears. And so you just pinch it and it and it feels like a button. And and it plays a click, as you were describing before, but it plays it in whatever ear you're touching, right? Yeah. Yep. So if you click click the button, you know, put that in quotes if you want. Click the button on your left AirPods Pro bud. It'll play a click sound in your left ear, and it the latency is so low and so responsive to the actual squeeze of your attempted click that it it I swear it's gonna it maybe it's just me I don't know I haven't talked to other people but I swear it it you'll you'll be convinced that the but it's actually an actual button that actually clicks. So uh, another piece of this is the the sort of ear the things that go in your ear canal that 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 have small medium and and large right yes, what, the tips. what do you call the they're the called tips. tips yeah so the tips actually uh like at most air uh airpod or earpod type uh things they they sort of you have to sort of squeeze them on and and 
turn them until you just get them to fit onto the thing, and then you put them in your ears. But these like click on, yeah. right? Are they? And they're, they're, the base, the part that, that connects is oval-shaped. They're not spherical or not, not, not round, not circles. They are they're, – they're ovals. And so I, there's no upside or downside, but you just orient the oval the right way. It's pretty obvious, and then you press it in, and it clicks in. And the click is very clicky. And I, you know, I've taken them on and off quite a bit in the last day because I've tried the multiple sizes of the tips, and I had my son try multiple sizes of the tips – um, and once you get the hang of it, it's pretty easy, but the, the clicking it on is, it, it never seems to be like halfway on. It's uh, a lot physically. It's, it doesn't resemble it at all, but it's in the way that Apple obviously spent a lot of time on every one of their Apple watch straps that the, whatever it is that, that connects it, it's, it's very clearly connected do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I do. That that was what I was asking you. So it, it like clicks into place. It's, yeah, it's, and it, it's like snaps in. It, it and it's it seems like it's impossible to do it wrong. Like, and to me, wrong would be like I've had things, not necessarily earbuds in particular, but sometimes with putting earbuds on, where it's like you're not certain whether you got it on right, or yeah. maybe you got half of it on. Like, there's two tabs that are both supposed to click into place, and you only clicked the one in, and so it's. You heard a click, it's on, but inadvertently, unknown to you, it's really only half on, it might come off. It doesn't seem like that's possible. It either clicks in, if it clicks, it's in, and if it doesn't click, you don't have it on yet. So have you listened to music on these things yet? Yes. Okay, so if you were going to compare... I don't know if you can do this, but can you compare the AirPods with the AirPods Pro? Is there? Do you have any sense of are they the same musically? Mm, I'm, I'm not a. I'm not, I don't want to pass judgment on that, and that, and I'm not trying to be coy or. I I just don't have. Uh, audiophile. I don't know. They both sound good to me, and and right. the difference I hear isn't in what I'm able to judge and perceive and describe and put into words is the noise canceling type part and the this sound makes the music sound good or rich or the bass is too high or something like that i'm not really good at i can't really say i thought music sounded great with them and but the difference between them and regular airpods to me is that's fine i i won't put you on the hook i i was more curious if there was so at the very you know least I mean? like like look at for me it's like this imagine you have two uh, two pieces of ham. <laughs> okay, and I'm uh, imagining it. All right, and you're and on the one piece of ham, you you dump an entire container of salt. And now you want me to tell you which is the better piece of ham? I can't tell you because all I can taste is the salt. Right? <laughs> okay. That to me is noise cancellation. Like so. To me, comparing the regular AirPods to the AirPods Pro, all I can think about is the noise cancellation aspects and the transparency aspects. Like, I'm just not good. And in general, even if you didn't dump the salt, I'm not real good at telling you, like, I don't know, this ham tastes good and this ham tastes bad, but I can't tell you what it is about this ham that tastes good that's different from this other ham that tastes good, at least with music. Like with ham, I'd actually probably be, be better at it. But, 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 it, but it's fair to say that when you're spending the $250, uh, you're, you're really paying for the – I mean the splash resistance. Well, I don't know. I don't value, know. And and the and the noise canceling. I honestly don't know. I, I I'm I'm such a bad judge of this. You know, 
I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't have strong opinions on the, uh, you know, like Marco Arment, for example. So for all I know, maybe, I don't want to say one way or the other, maybe people who do have very discerning taste in the music reproduction of headphones and can say things like rock and roll, classic rock and roll sounds great on these headphones, but classical music is really ruined because the treble is so weak or it loses the woodwinds or something like that. I don't know how to talk about music yeah, like that, that. but so, for all i know people like that will put these in and say these are fantastic these the music reproduction blows away the other airpods forget about the noise cancellation i don't but know at the very at the very least you're getting the the noise cancellation and the splash resistance and the other yeah. you know the, and the i think music, i think music sounds great I, it sounds and, very good to me and, and music may be another bonus we just don't know yet until we hear from from more of an audiophile i would review i would guess from anybody's review though that by the standards of earbuds, wireless earbuds, or earbuds in general, really, uh, that they're very good sounding. I mean, Plus, they're sealed better. Right. Way better. I mean, it's like night and day. So I would think that, you know, that people who really care about the music reproduction would prefer these to regular AirPods, but I, I don't want to pass judgment on it. And the case, as far as... Uh, one thing I heard was that uh, the case stays open. Uh, I don't know if you ever did this thing, but there's a thing that for a while people did with their oh, air, it original. It does. I see that. I have, I have both of mine in front of me right now. So let me ask you this question. With the old AirPods cases, what people used to do, and I, I've done it, but it's just not good enough with the original AirPods, you know, with the Air, even Gen 2 case. It, it doesn't stay open, and you could, if you opened it, you could put your iPhone on the short end and lean it back against the bigger piece. So you have like a little cheapo air, uh, iPhone uh, stand. I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah, but if you, if you I, open I've it, seen but with, people talk about that, but do you have to but, put it like upside down? No, you 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 put it with this with the opening face up, and then you open it so yeah. it bends, so it makes a little. Uh, triangle. I'm trying this right now. And then you and then you put the and and I I saw somebody post about this and I wondered if the uh, oh, yeah. new case because it stayed open would be more stable. Uh, maybe it is. Yeah, you can kind of yeah. So you put it. I wouldn't, but it still feels like it's going to drop. It. I, I wouldn't want to put my iPhone in there. Uh, it feels like something's going to fall over and then it's going to fall on the floor. I yeah, think. And that, I think if you do that, you're going to like this case better. But I'd, I I would still never do that. Yeah, I was just I was just curious, but it does open. So what what's the or it does stay open. What's the purpose of it staying open? Is it I don't think do you have any sense of it? I don't playing with it right here in front of me. I don't think that's a function of that they did that on purpose. I think that it's just because it's shorter. You know, it's shorter and wider and so because that access of the triangle when it's open is shorter, it it doesn't have the it, it it doesn't close the clasp the way that the other one does. Okay. And how about? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, it's an I, it's an interesting question, but I think it's just the nature that it's such a different dimensioned case. You know, effectively, if you want to compare the two cases, you have to turn the new one on the side because it's so much wider and so much squatter that it's only when you turn it on the side do they look like they're roughly in the same X, Y, and Z dimensions. Interesting. Um, how about the the uh, do, does the interior of the sort of imagine the area around where your AirPod is going to drop? 
so that you know it's sort of the the opening, but the area the shelf around the opening mm-hmm. is that look the same on the old case and the new case, or is there like a, a piece of material there? I had I it looked like it could be that from the pictures I saw. It, the hinge is bigger. There's a more of it's a and the hinge sticks up. It's it's quite different. I mean, you would never ever confuse the two cases. I mean, it's just very different. But it you know it seems to open and shut about the same. You know, here I'll, I'll here's the one, here's the other. You know, they sound the same. They do. Yeah. It is a, one thing that's a little different and takes getting used to is on the old one, the stems go, are, go in in the center of the case, and in the new one, the stems go in on the outside. And so oh, I, I, interesting. I keep trying to put them in the wrong way because I've got two or three years of habit the other way. Oh, the other thing I said, I did, I forgot, I can't believe I forgot to mention this in my review. Here's my first original observation on the show. Uh, the new AirPods Pro are way easier to get in and out of the case, or at least out of the case. Like there's no, you just come in from the back and, and pull them out. They're, you don't have to kind of pop them out. You, you can just pinch them and they come right out. So you do you do you have the uh, uh, more of an ability to grab onto them yes. with your thumb yeah. and forefinger? Yes, if you come in from the back, you have way more of an ability to grab onto them with your thumb and forefinger. Don't do it side to side; do it back to front, and they, they come right out. Ah, interesting. Well, I can't wait to get mine. Did you pre-order? I did not because I don't do that. I i'm just slow well you're gonna you're gonna get can you get the other airpods engraved or is it only the airpods pro that you can get engraved i mine i'm looking at my uh gen 2 and mine says dark mode dave which i I really like and i'm gonna do the same but i maybe i'll have to say dark mode dave pro or something See, i get paralyzed by a decision like that like i don't know uh, i don't know what to to get engraved see like my wife wouldn't hesitate if my wife's going to get something engraved she's going to get her initials and that's it there she goes she you know uh whereas me it's like what should i do should i do something cute should i see should i type in like the unicode symbol for the star and circle and see if they'll print that on them should i I like that actually uh, should i just have it say gruber i'm gonna guess that they don't let you i think i tried to get something you know apple's been offering engraved stuff since the ipods at some point i did try that and it was like special characters are not allowed i'd say live on the edge because you know that in a year you're gonna have something new so yeah it'll be a short-term thing if you don't like it it'll be you'll live with it for a short term and it's not going to affect the functionality of it um one question a couple people had, a friends, you know, was, but uh, friends asked whether there would be, whether Apple was going to release the specs for the, the connectors for the tips so that third parties could make tips. Interesting. And, and I could think of two reasons for that. One would be, what if you don't like the feel of any of the three tips that Apple provides? And it seems to me like their small, medium, and large are pretty – at first glance, they look pretty close. And then when you start thinking about how, how they feel, you can kind of feel the difference. You know, like when I tried the small ones, it, they definitely felt loose in my ear. And I wasn't surprised at all that the, that the software ear fit test uh, said, hey, you should try a different size. Um, but maybe there's – you know, I'm sure there's – you know, out of – you know how many people are on the planet now, Dave? Seven billion, eight billion? What are we up to? Something, something like that. You know, there's, surely there's some number of million people who none none of the three will fit, and they might like a different type 
of tip for fit reasons. Um, but I would also imagine that much like phone cases, people might enjoy putting colorful tips on and both for uh, just sort of the fun of having your own colored tips and the practical reason of if you, you know, you're in a family of multiple AirPods Pro users, you might want to easily identify who's or who's by the color of the tips. Oh, uh, I like that idea, actually. Uh, There's also what if you lose them? Right. You, know, you want to have extras. Well, the losing them thing I asked Apple about. And so I don't think you can buy them yet as far as I searched and I couldn't. But they said that they are going. They said that they were going to sell them replacement tips uh, and that they would be cheap. And they actually used the word cheap. And I don't know I ever heard someone from Apple ever use the word cheap before. Um, I, I read somewhere $4. Yeah, I, that's, uh, I published that. A piece. So I, oh, I, was that? Yeah, because okay. I was like, you got to tell me how cheap. How cheap is cheap? Because Apple's version of cheap maybe not be cheap. And then they were like, we'll get back to you. And then they texted me and they're like, $4. I think it's like three ninety five or something. And I was like, holy crap, that is cheap. Uh, so that's great. So if you do lose them or you wear them out, and who knows how they're going to wear over time, you know, if they're going to look gross after a year or something like that, you should be able to buy, if, if what I was told yesterday is correct, you should be able to reply, replace, get replacements for four bucks. Uh, I asked and didn't get an answer, at least yet, whether the four bucks gives you a set of all six, two small, medium, and large, or whether it's four bucks and you have to say I'd like two small or two medium or two large. I don't know. But even if you only get one, you know, if if it's four bucks to get two medium tips, that still is a pretty good deal to me because you probably know what size you need. Right, right. But on the other hand, one of the things Apple told me about the fit test is that it's totally prepared to recommend to you a different size for your left ear and your right ear. And so I, I would hope, I mean, just, you know, why not? It would be great if you got all three for four bucks so that if you like a small in your left and a medium in your right, you don't have to buy two sets. I don't know. But anyway, they're going to sell replacements. Uh, as for whether they're going to help third parties make them, they had no answer. So I don't know. But I don't think, I, it seems like the sort of engineering problem that the sort of companies that would make third party tips or cases or watch straps, you know, that they specialize in figuring stuff like that out. And it doesn't seem like a tricky connector. So I would guess that with or without Apple's help, there will be third party tips for AirPods Pro. So, so a, a you, controversial question. Okay. Go ahead. All right. No, no. Ask me. I'm just All saying right, so I, I would like credit though in the future when it becomes a thing that people have like hot pink tips and, you know. <laughs> Washington Nationals World Championship 2019 tips and stuff like that. I want everybody to say, you know, Gruber thought of that before that was a, even a thing. I like it. I All like right. it. We'll call them Gruber tips. All right. Controversial, you say. So, yeah. So I've been saying this a long time and I get so much pushback, especially from Jim when we talk about it on the Dalrymple Report. Um, but I am not a fan of how um, disposable – the original AirPods have have become when you know when my battery started to die of the first gen, and I before I got the I I think my battery started to die about a month before they announced the second gen. Hmm. So when the second gen hit, I was like I was my finger was hovering over yeah. the order button. Um, my wife was too. My wife is probably in the same boat as you, and she wears them to to the gym almost every day. Yeah, 
I mean, she wears them to the gym every day. She goes every day. She goes to the gym. She goes to the gym almost every day or exercises in some ways. And and she wears them while she cooks. And you know, she she really wears them way more than I do. Same Um, with me. I wear them when I cook. I wear them when I'm just doing my stuff around the house. Okay, so I, I I don't like the fact that I I. There's no way to take them apart. There's no way for mm. Apple to take them apart, as far as I know. They, Apple can sort of crush them and and retrieve some materials, maybe, but the, but they can't open them, p- replace the batteries, close them, and say, "Here you go," and charge me money. They charge me money and give me a new set. Right? They don't. So my question is: I saw a text. Uh, the Apple put this out in the video, but I saw a text from Panzer. Um, about uh, showing the exploded view of the um, of the uh, AirPods Pro, you know, just like every single component was in this picture, but in an exploded view, you know, you, you saw everything in it, but it looked like it opened really cleanly, like it looked different. I, you know, it just felt like maybe there's a way that they can actually take this apart, and that it's not just filled with glue, you know. That so that there's no way to open them, and I, the fact I think part of it for me was I saw that you could snap off the the tips that that they you didn't pull them off like you know they they, they clicked into place they snapped into place and I thought I wonder if there's new thinking from Apple on this and do you have any sense of this at all is it exactly the same the single piece construction as the old AirPods? I'm going to do this one as a cliffhanger, and. And I'm taking a break here to thank our third and final sponsor of the show. Return, after quite a a hiatus, I will call it. But a a long-ago sponsor of the show, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? It's a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. We are HelloFresh users here in the Gruber household. We enjoy their food. It is great. It is really, really, it's really good food. It really is. I, the biggest thing for me before we started getting stuff like this was like, if they're going to pick out the vegetables, are they going to come and be like the weird looking vegetables or are they going to be good looking vegetables? They're, everything that comes looks great. It looks exactly like the sort of produce that somebody who's picking by hand would pick. Uh, really great. And they have everything you could want. They've got the classic menu. They've got veggie menu, so if you want vegetarian food, they've got you covered. And family, for the difference for families with, you know, like small kids. Each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. You can make family dinners fuss-free with HelloFresh's picky eater, kid-tested and approved family plan recipes. If you have had little kids or have them now, you know exactly what they're talking about. Well, they've got you covered. They're thinking about you and your kids and what they want to eat. You can make your family dinners uh, so much fun, so much easier. Each week, there's a 20-minute meal on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that. 20 minutes just to start to finish and you're eating. Because they know people are busy. Sometimes the reason you don't cook dinner is because you don't have time. Guess what? 20 minutes on the classic menu, ready to go. You can look forward to your HelloFresh delivery knowing dinner just got much easier. Um, they've got so much more. You, you can just enjoy the simple fact of not having to plan dinner. I can't tell you how much time we spend here sometimes just saying, what the hell are we going to have for dinner tonight? What should we have for dinner tonight? What should we have tomorrow? Uh, you know what? HelloFresh takes it away. You don't have to worry about it. 
They believe cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore. There are so many benefits to subscribing. Uh, less time meal planning, less time grocery shopping by far each week. Uh, and you get delicious filling meals that you'll enjoy eating. It's really good. Uh, we've had them for a while. We love it. Um, just you name it. Stuff like steak, uh, pasta dishes. I mean, you name it. I, and you know what? I will also say this. Their descriptions of their meals, very, very honest. If you think you're going to like it, you're probably going to like it. I can't remember one that didn't come and please us exactly the way we thought it would please us. It's really, really a fair description of their meals and recipes. Here's their call to action. You can get 30 bucks off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting HelloFresh.com and entering the code TALKSHOW. Just talk show, no the T A L K S H O W, and you will save thirty bucks off your first week. Visit HelloFresh.com with special code talk show and get started today. It really is a great service with delicious food and it really, really, really saves you time in terms of cooking and especially the grocery shopping angle. My thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring the show. Well, that's it. We're out of time, Dave. <laughs> that was a cliffhanger then. <laughs> No, uh, no. This question was asked at the, the the briefing, and basically, you know, the story is nothing has changed. Uh, there is no, at least according to Apple uh, representatives yesterday, there is nothing more repairable or uh, battery replacement or anything like that different between the AirPods Pro Buds and Air, the AirPods first and second generation. Um, does that matter to you at all? Like, do you ever think about it and go, ah, that kind of bugs uh, me? That I wrote about it. Somebody quoted a couple of weeks or months ago. I wrote that, like, when that, when this became a thing, I think it was maybe when Jeffrey Fowler wrote a column about the disposability of AirPods in the Washington Post. Somebody wrote a column about it. It's definitely a weird thing when you think about it. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember when all batteries were disposable and replaceable. Anything you bought that was battery operated took, you know, triple uh, A, double A, C, D, whatever happened to B. Uh, does anybody know the story on that? Where, what happened to B batteries? I don't. I or, don't know. Or single A. What is, is there? There's no single A. Uh, nine volt. Remember when we were, when I was a kid, at least all the electronic game gizmos, gizmos always took nine volt batteries, which I always thought was, I always thought they were cool. I don't know. Yeah, just, definitely. You know, you had to like snap them into place in a different way, and one battery would power the whole thing. Smoke detectors all Smoke, take those. Well, they still take them for good reason, you know, I guess because they're easily replaceable and obtained. Um, it, it would seem crazy back then, like when I would buy those games. What was the company that made them? Tyco? T-Y-C-O? Uh, I had a whole... Tech, Tecmo? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But whatever. The, you know, I had a bunch of those electronic games. They were... I hesitate to even call them video games because they didn't have video, but they were electronic games. It it would have been crazy if it if the deal was you can buy it and then you just charge it overnight by connecting it to power, and then two years from now it'll be garbage and you have to throw it away. That would have seemed crazy. It just wasn't the way things worked, and it doesn't seem right. It seems like if the problem with a pair of AirPods is that the battery the lithium ion battery has expired itself through going through its, you know, by design, you know, not, not, not prematurely, not a defect in your unit, but 
you've used it enough times through enough charge cycles that the lithium ion battery is no longer useful. But it's the only thing wrong with it, right? It's the Everything only thing else wrong works with perfectly. It. Right, but you know, but that's it. There's you you know what you do is you you know, I guess what you're supposed to do is take them into the Apple store and say you want to recycle them and then they'll do the right thing. Uh, that's you know I I've never done that I have to say I, I I just put stuff like that in a drawer I mean I guess it's partly my pack rat attitude I just if I had like a pair of AirPods like I guess I still have my wife's that don't really hold a charge my original my wife's original AirPods they're just in a drawer in a box somewhere I guess I should take them should have taken them to the Apple Store and said I'd like to recycle these but that seems like a weird thing to do it's like I don't I I don't know it's not great but I nobody else makes earbuds of this size you know like i'm not i hope that apple is working hard to address it as soon as they can is that a thing that is like two three years in the future is it a 10-year problem i i don't know i hope it's on their radar if if they really mean institutionally what they say about you know their environmental concerns they certainly should be looking at it but I also understand where they're coming from. If like their best concept for a design that makes the AirPod Buds battery replaceable, even if it meant getting them officially serviced at Apple, you know, right? Like the way that you can get your battery replaced in an iPhone. If their best design for that would make it thicker and heavier and bigger, I could see why they don't go that route because I think people would... I, I think that would be less appealing to people, right? I think people care more about. Does uh, it does it feel like planned obsolescence, or does it feel like? I mean, I I, I, I don't think ha- it's, I don't know I don't, the term. I don't think it's planned obsolescence because, and I know you can be cynical and say that it is that of course they design them so that two years from now you have to buy more, but I don't think so because I don't think anybody feels good uh, about. Having two hundred dollar earbuds, you know, that's just round to the midway price of their lineup. You know, they're roughly sure. two hundred bucks. Um, nobody feels good about spending two hundred dollars on them. Never once misusing them, using them so frequently that the battery wore out. Never losing one, and then two years from now, you know, you, your option, your best option is to go buy another two hundred dollar set of them. Like nobody feels good about that. And so if there were an option to get somebody else's product that does the same thing in an appealing way, but you wouldn't have to throw it out after two years, they would do it. So I don't think it's planned obsolescence because that, that would, I, I really do think Apple thinks it's, believes it's in the business of keeping customers happy, right? That they're not, people don't just randomly buy Apple products. You know, it's not some brand X and, you know, people randomly buy it so if you can rip them off a little bit and they're not happy with it who cares you already got their money apple's in the business of having sustained relationships relationships with their customers that you're going to like apple products and if you're new to the apple uh product family ecosystem yeah to the ecosystem for yeah that's the perfect word your first experience, you know, will hopefully be a good one. I mean, there's a story, you know, to bring it back to baseball, uh, Joe DiMaggio, I forget who he was talking to, but somebody told the story where uh, towards the end of his career, Joe DiMaggio, it was like, I could be mistelling it, but it's the way I'll mistell it is good enough, close enough to the truth. Meaningless game, late summer, Joe DiMaggio busts his ass to catch a fly ball. Just really, really goes all out in a meaningless game, a game the Yankees maybe were already way ahead. 
somebody a younger kid in the team is Joe. Why you? Why in the hell would you kill yourself to catch that ball? It doesn't matter. And his story, his answer was, I know with as many you know fifty thousand people in Yankee Stadium, somebody here is watching me play for the first time. That's and pretty I, good. And I want them to know what Joe DiMaggio, how Joe DiMaggio played baseball. Right. So somebody's first Apple product is their, you know, the one that they're buying today. So I think and I think Apple remains cognizant of that and they want that to be a good experience. Right. You're only as good as your first impression. If your first Apple product is a stinker, you're not going to come back. So I don't think it's planned obsolescence. I really don't. And the fact that nobody else makes anything in this AirPods category that is has replaceable batteries is a sign that I don't think it's possible yet, or it's not possible in a way that would be compelling to customers based on what it would cost or what it would look like or how heavy it would be or whatever compromises would have to be made. Because what if what if it meant like not using glue? I mean, I think that exclo- exploded view is sort of... You know, it, it's idealized, right? It's, it's of course, of course. It's it, and in, when you compare it to the teardowns that, as we speak, I fix it. My might already have since the, I guess they shipped today. I wouldn't be. I guess I fix it. I didn't look, but probably already has a teardown. When you look at the actual teardowns, you see all the glue. They're sort of a mess inside. They're they're not neat and tidy at all. But when but they're so small. They're so small that I think it's excusable. And when Apple does have room. Like when you open the new Mac Pros that are supposedly coming any day now, they're beautiful inside. And the Apple's always sort of espoused that Steve Jobs mantra of, you know, the, a good cabinet maker cares what the back of the cabinet looks like, even if, if it's going to spend decades up against a wall because he has pride in his work. They care about the inside of their computers. They always have. So I think the fact that like AirPods are an ugly, gluey mess inside is just the best that they can do to make them the design that they are. So, so it's opposing forces of Lisa Jackson's environmental, you know, push, which I think she's great, does a great job of, you know, all the, all the things that Apple does to have, um, to be sustainable, uh, to good supply chain, not no child labor. You know, they, they clearly are pushing in the, all those things in, in ha- keeping, doing what they can to make, to minimize their impact on the planet. And the opposing force to that would be um, design, and yeah. and they're f- sort of fighting each other here. This is like yeah. a front line on that yeah. particular battle. Yeah. And I I am a a long time um, repairability person. I I've, I fix all my computers, every one that I can. I I've taken apart every Mac I've ever owned. I've replaced fans. It used to be able to swap out memory. Uh, I've replaced uh, video cards, uh, drives, taken old drives, put you know formatted, replaced with larger drives, all that kind of stuff. Did you, did you ever do that sort of stuff? Or oh, sure, you know, probably less than a lot of less than you, and probably less than an awful lot of people listening to this show nodding their head in agreement with you. Um, but yeah, you know, and back in the day, especially, and you know, uh, time, it was a combination that. As a, I'm 46 now, and as I grew to this age, you know, I grew up in the era when computers became less serviceable, and I was of an age back then when saving money by buying third-party RAM was a meaningful, serious difference. Yeah, like what yeah, my, yeah. I would have a budget for a new computer, and if I bought third-party RAM, I'd have more RAM 
than if I bought the RAM from Apple. And back then, too, Apple used to really, really gouge people. I mean, however high you think Apple's RAM prices are now, you don't know anything compared to like the 90s. I mean, in the 90s, it was like, like it was as though you were buying RAM that was like had like gold plated, yeah, like t- like you took it to <laughs> Tiffany and had them turn it into diamond crusted jewelry. Um, yes, and and hard drives too. Oh, that yeah. was the same thing. Yeah, and because back then hard drives would break all the time. I mean, you know, everybody. And it's like people of our age are much better about backups because we're still scarred, right? Like we everybody remembers a time when you hit Command S on a document and you. You heard your hard drive like make a bad click and stop spitting, or you're just you just hear a bad Scrape. sign. You would just hear a scraping. You would just hear some sort of sound you never heard your hard drive make before, and yeah, or or and, a little tick 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 sound. And whether whether you noticed anything on screen or not, maybe everything on screen looked fine. Nothing locked up. Nothing, no beach balls, no watch cursor. Everything <laughs> looks fine. But immediately you would start saving everything, closing everything, and you would power down immediately because you heard one bad click out of your hard drive. You would save everything, <laughs> power everything down, and immediately take off the, the lid to the computer, take a look inside, see if you smell. <laughs> do, you, do I smell anything? Put it back Smoke. on. Put it back on, power it up, and make uh, uh, the best backup you had the you had the power to, you know, the ability to do. And oh, that's so good. Immediately in your mind, you're thinking, uh, where's that Mac connection catalog? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to, <laughs> just because you heard one bad click, right? So we're, I, we're, I have by taken that. a picture of my screen before <laughs> I'm, <laughs> with yeah, a camera. I'm, yeah. Or cause you had writing on screen and you're like, I don't know if this is going to get saved. I don't want to lose that's my right. words. Yeah. That's uh, right. So I'm with you. I, I you know, and, but uh, I, I don't think Apple's moved against repairability because they're against repairability. I think that they've moved against it because it's lower on their list of priorities. And, you know, I, it's a recurring theme for me that I've mentioned many times over the years that I think vastly overlooked by people is that it doesn't just matter what your priorities are. It matters exactly what order they're in. And that you could say our three highest priorities are A, B, and C. But that makes a big difference. Even if it seems like A, B, and C are mostly aligned with each other, it makes a big difference than if you say our three highest priorities are C, B, and A. You're going to end up making all sorts of different – even though they're the same three priorities, if C is your highest priority, you are going to make different, very different decisions. And for Apple, the biggest priority – you could call it design or you could call it experience, but it's – Ultimately, how nice is this thing? How nice is the experience of wearing AirPods is still their highest priority. And they, I, do, I don't think they're hypocrites about the environment, but it's a higher priority than the environment. But, but I also think it's changed because it used to be that product was their, you know, their highest priority. And then Steve came back and there was that sort of famous, I'm, now I'm going to simplify the, the product line again, right. right, with that three by three chart or whatever it was two by two chart then but now i don't know when it started but when facebook really started to become a problem i think privacy started to creep up the list till it became maybe their highest priority do you think that's that's incorrect Mm, i think that the interesting thing about apple and privacy is that privacy doesn't interfere with their other 
there are other uh, priorities in a way it does for other companies. Because for just to name an obvious example, you know, Facebook and Google make money through advertising in by monetizing their users' privacies in certain ways. And, you know, we don't, it's a whole other discussion, discussion we don't have uh, time to even dip our toes into. But because Apple doesn't make any money at all on advertising based on knowing anything at all about its customers, they can, they can deal with privacy in a way that doesn't interfere with their priorities. Because obviously a priority for Facebook and for Google and for Apple, you know, is making money. Um, yeah, well said, though. I, I, I see the difference. Right. So let's just say, let's just be complete cynics and, and skeptical about capitalism and large corporations in general and just agree that f- one thing that Apple, Facebook, and Google all share in common is that their very highest priority is making money. I'm not saying I agree with that, but let's just say from the cynical angle that it is, Apple can approach privacy in a way that doesn't that doesn't run up against that that number one priority of being profitable and making money in a way that Facebook and Google do. There's and no Amazon. opposing forces there. There's right. no opposing forces like with the right. uh, with the non-replaceable batteries versus taking care of the planet. That's right. a, that's well said. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, wouldn't it be great? I hope somebody else comes out with some of these wireless earbuds that are totally, you know, compelling products that look cool and are uh, come at a good price and work great and have easily accessible or easily accessible to the service type minded person batteries. It would be great. And it would force that would force Apple to up its game if somebody else could do it. But nobody else has done it yet. So I don't even, you know, we don't have proof that it's even possible to, to, Obviously, somebody could make a wireless earbud that could have a serviceable battery, but we still haven't seen one that is that's also a compelling consumer product. Yep, yep, I I, I hear you. That's that's the uh, right. that is the uh, holy grail. Like let, you know, let's be cynical. Let's just be honest here. Let's say that uh, I went up to New York yesterday in some alternate universe to find out what AirPods Pro are, and they're still two hundred fifty bucks. Right. That's what the in in our real universe. That's what AirPods Pro are. Um, but in the alternate universe, the two hundred and fifty dollar AirPods Pro. The only difference between them and regular AirPods is that the battery is user serviceable. They look the same. Uh, they sound the same. The case looks the same. But when the battery wears out two years from now, you could take it into the Apple store and for. $25, uh, come back the next day or come back two hours later and they have brand new batteries in them. They wouldn't sell any more of them. I don't think they they'd would, sell any but, of them. If they cost, but they'd sell if, fewer over time. If they cost $250 and the current AirPods sell 100 for 160 uh, they wouldn't sell any of them. I mean, I guess there's some number. I mean, I'm not going to say they'd sell zero of them. but And I think people would say Apple's lost its mind. I mean, that's a great feature, but they, everybody, what everybody would say is – that should just be the regular new AirPods, and they shouldn't be $250. They should be $160, like the regular AirPods. Nobody would see that as a compelling reason to pay more, even right. though if you really think about it, the obvious it, – it, in theory, that's possible that by by putting more – making them in a more expensive way, they could do it – You know, that part of the reason that the batteries aren't replaceable is the glue is cheap and – sealing them up without glue is more expensive anyway we've gone on long enough you've got to go get ready for the game my friend i do i do i do thank you so much for having me it was great you see this i told you it would be a short episode (laughs) 
<laughs> you did, you actually did say that. I did say that. I really did. And I told that to Moltz the other day, too, and we went an hour and 55 minutes. I, I Once I get started talking, and it's interesting conversation. How do we do? I did, One thing, backstory, folks, is that Dave, I, I, I only came to Dave a couple hours before the show. I was running short on time. I needed another episode in October. I had so much to talk about. I want to talk about the AirPods. And we were chatting about the baseball, and I was like, well, why don't you just do my show? And you were like, I could do that. And it was, this is great. Uh, Dave got excited, sent me a, a whole list of ideas we could talk about. <laughs> I got to tell you, which, I didn't even Which look. we got to one. I didn't look at it. I, didn't, I was going to say, how did we do? I was, I'm going to guess we didn't get to any of them, but we got probably AirPods, right? Yeah, no, we did Apple TV Plus, World yeah. Series. No, we did yeah. good. We I'm did gonna, good. What's going to happen is after, after we're done, I'm going to read that and I'm going to look at it. And I'm pr- it's probably chock full of good ideas. And then I'm going to end up using those ideas on the next few episodes of the show. And you're going to be like, son of a bitch, he's so... <laughs> Stole my idea. <laughs> no, God bless you. Go with it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I really, I had such a good time. This was great. All right. Thank you for having hey, me. Hey, good luck tonight. I swear, to, I swear to you, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but go Nats. All right. All right. Go Nats. All right. Uh, let me thank our sponsors. Hey, before you say bye, let me thank our sponsors. Come on, we got to pay the bills here. Express VPN. Right. Easy one tap VPN. Protect your desktop or your iOS device. Uh, Hello Fresh. Get your groceries. Get sign up for a subscription. Get. Fresh groceries and recipes, the whole meal kit, portioned for the meal, sent right to your house. And Linode, a great server hosting company. Go there to host whatever you need, whether it's small or large. Go to linode.com. Dave, everybody can find you at theloop.com on your writing and on Twitter, at Dave Mark, right? At Dave Mark. That works. Uh, All right. Good luck.